A dark yet beautiful and tragic love story for the ages, layered in mystery and suspense. Oh, wait, never mind. This is the horrible adaptation that barely resembles the source material. We watched Phantom of the Opera, a.k.a. The Phantom of Elm Street, a.k.a. Freddy of the Opera. We watched it so you don't have to. So you know what time it is. What's up, Moongoons? Welcome to Horrible Horror, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. Movies so bad they're scary. I am your host, Lord Jedi Marshall Hampton. Uh, with me today, uh, we mix it up. We got a very special guest finally back in his studio. I'm so, so, oh my God, I forgot the theme song. Where is her theme music? I just gave it away on who it is, but it is Miss Sarah Samples, the first lady. There it is. There's the music. Let's... There it is. Oh. <laughs> the first lady of Horrible Horror is finally back in studio. Oh, I am so glad to be back. <laughs> Turn the music down a little bit. There we go. Yes. Awesome. I'm glad you're fine. we are finally able to get you back in here. This has been um, one we've been wanting to do for a while oh my now. Gosh. For a yes. while. Um, but, you know, life gets in the way and, and schedule is getting hard to do. But we finally got it in. So Sarah is joining me this week as we are taking on the 1989 yes. Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Um, we are both very pumped to do this. Uh, we will probably, probably nerd out and <laughs> have a lot. This episode could be very short because I'm if I'm paying how fast I blow through the movie or very long because we may just go off on a discussion rant at some point. It's um, going to be all good, baby. Yeah. It's, we've been wanting to do this movie since uh, Revenge of the... Or Phantom of the Mall. Phantom of the Mall. Yeah. Revenge of Eric. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Eric's Revenge. Eric's Revenge. That was not as good as this. <laughs> I will, I'm going to just set the president right here and say, this one's better. There's no kung fu in this one, but... Mm. Ooh, we might have different takes on that oh, when, we, no. t- when time comes. But anyway, <gasps> okay. that's that's a little teaser for later. <laughs> uh, before we jump in, I want to remind everybody: you, if you have any, you can always contact the show if with any movie suggestions, comments, questions, or anything. At, at, you can reach us on the hotline at seven four zero four suck it. If you want to help support the show, you can also check out the horriblehorrorpodcast dot com and go to our merch page page where you can get all sorts of t-shirts and hoodies and beer glasses and stickers and pins and and, and all tumblr i don't actually i think i took tumblers down but lots of stuff there you always check that out um you guys have good stuff and then you can also uh help us out on our patreon page too it's a great way to help support the show every little dollar helps uh, i appreciate and love everybody who does so thank you for that um with that said like i said we are going into family opera Oh boy, oh boy. So some background information first. Like if you've listened to the show a while for a long time now for a while, you know Sarah and I share a little bond over our nerdiness for theater and uh stuff and, and, and I'm not the biggest musical fan, but this is the one exception to my musical rule that um I absolutely love it. It's my favorite show. Um 
my favorite musical. It's this movie is like or the show is like everything to me. I love it's fucking love it. <clears throat> it's iconic. It's iconic. It's so iconic, especially yeah. for when Marshall and I were growing up in the world, right? So this yeah. came out in. Andrew Lloyd Webber's version yes. of this came out in 1986. Which, yeah, which set the... It, set, st- it really set the bar, set exactly. the stage for Phantom well, stuff. But And Phantom has been around for a really Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean Exhibit A, I, mean, I have the Lon, Lon Chaney yes. Phantom picture on my wall over yes. there. I mean... From like the, what, 20s or 30s or something 19, like that? I even wrote it down, dude. It, it was 19, I think, 25. Yeah. And it was a silent film. Yes, it was. So, which is so weird to have an opera. I guess it's an opera, but it's a silent film. But yeah, I remember watching it, and it's... Uh, but this movie is set in an opera, and I think it really lends itself to to that musical quality. I think the yeah. music is important because it is, it's an artistic movie. It's yes. an artistic book. Um, and it was dark as hell. Yeah. Um, yes. The... So... There's been so many re- 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 uh, adaptations and, yeah. and versions of this throughout the years. Yeah. Um, it's based off of the uh, Gaston Leroux novel, which I don't, like, I don't know how many people actually realize that the story family was actually a book way back when, um, and not just the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, but it was actually based off a book by Gaston Leroux. Which is I? It's one of my prized possessions that I was given a long time ago. My mom got it for me as a Christmas gift. Fucking love the book. It's um, not in print. It's hard. to No, find. it's very hard to find. It was hard. Yeah. That's so. why it's like so dear to me because like you can't just find. Can't go in like a Barnes and Noble and just buy it yeah. off the shelf anymore. They're very hard to find. Marshall let me borrow it, and I was like afraid the whole time. <laughs> I was very careful with it, but it was a great book. It's I, a great book. I have seen and read. You know, growing up in the '80s, so many adaptations of. The Phantom, yeah, um, movies and TV shows and spinoffs, but I did not ever know the actual darkness mm-hmm. that this story is, and the book is so good. The like, book it's, is it's, uh, the book. As much as I love right, Andrew Lloyd Webber's thing, the book it. is the best. It's oh, I know, yeah. Like, you watch all the movies or the, the the Broadway show, and they're great, but then you read the book, like holy shit, it's, it's almost like night and day difference. Like there's so yeah, it's horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Phantom in that is. And and I'm not going to spoil the book because it's good, but he is a torturous um, madman, yeah. and and you see that you know in Andrew Lloyd Webber's adaptation, but like people die in the book, and you don't. Oh yeah, you. I mean, it's suggested in in like a lot of the stage a couple of people plays. die on the stage in the stage one, yeah, but, but not as this, many. I don't know. Like my imagination just really worked when I read that book. Yeah. It was so good. So good. Um, I nerds, highly recommend if anybody can ever get your hands on a copy to fully read it. It's yeah. awesome. So anyway, the movie um, that we're doing is 1989 version. is released in November, I think November 3rd of 1989. Uh, written by Gary O'Hara, Duke Sandifer, and of course based on the Get San Leroy novel. Mm-hmm. Directed by Dwight H. Little. Now Dwight H. Little... Uh, has 50 directing credits, yeah. lots of TV shows, including Bones, um, uh, Dusk Till Dawn, the TV series, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Arrow, 24, X-Files, and he did uh, some episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> ironically enough. <laughs> um, but his movies, these were surprised to me. He, he did Free Willy 2. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the first one? I don't know. Sorry, I, keep going. Keep um, <laughs> the, uh, I think it was the Wesley Snipes Murder at 1600. Wow. Anacondas, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. Orchard. <laughs> orchid. 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 I can talk. I really can. Uh, it's Anaconda, Orchid. Don't um, 
Tekken, the movie, based on the Tekken video game. But he also directed fucking Halloween 4. Yes, which, Halloween 4, one of the best Halloweens, was directed by this guy. <laughs> which they had just come off of that movie when he agreed to do this movie. Yes, I believe so. Yes. Um, I watched the extras. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch extras. We'll talk oh, about those. Okay, great. Um, so um, you can find it. So, so it says it's streaming on Pluto TV. But I looked up, it is not. Mm. It is... When you type in streaming like Family Opera on Pluto, it's all like a bunch of the older ones, like the 1930s, 40s, 60s mm-hmm. versions. Not this one. No. Um, supposedly, it's also streamable on some app on the Roku, if you have a Roku TV. Oh, um, it's I not do. the Roku channel, but there's some other app that's, I guess, Roku only. It's supposedly on there. I can't, according to the internet, I didn't verify that, but it says it is. Otherwise, you just have to straight up buy it on Blu-ray from Amazon, and that's what I had to do. Um, um, and he also bought me a copy. Yes, I bought two like copies the of the best this. friend ever. <laughs> and um, then you can watch the extras, yes. which are really interesting. Um, so the cast, we're not going to talk about a whole lot because there's really not a whole lot to talk about. But our main character, Christine, um, talk more about the rest of her name later. Uh, Christine is played by Jill Shulin. I think that's how I pronounce it. Uh, she's got 33 credits. She was in Curse 2, The Bite. Cutting uh, Class, the original, the stepfather movie, the horror movie that was, yeah, uh, that Babes kind of in Toyland, a new place that kind of like opened her up to like this, like Robert England like wanted to work with her. Oh, that because of that. Oh, really? Without <laughs> the actress too. Fun fact. Fun fact. The more you know. Uh, Babes in Toyland, uh, Popcorn, the horror movie, and then When a Stranger Calls Back were some of her better known credits. Um, then we have, as I call, I call New York Meg. Played by Molly <laughs> Shannon. That's right, the Molly Shannon. This was her cinematic debut yeah. appearance. This was yeah. her first movie role ever. Um, and then we have Eric <laughs> Dessler, uh, aka the Phantom, uh, played by none other than Robert England himself. <laughs> I think we already know <laughs> how Marshall is 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 trending. I think we'll we see. Think, we'll we see what we we'll know. see how I, if I, I feel when, when this is all over. The word. He used the term ugh. He said, ugh. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we start the movie, let's uh, just kick this off right. Yeah. There we go. There I already opened mine. I, I know you did. I'm sorry. I got no apologies here. Need it. All right, so the movie. We open in modern day, well, modern day for 1989, New York. <laughs> um, and yes, I love that it's 1989. I love that all the movies you put me on are like 1989. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, we're introduced to our heroine, Christine Day, which means right off the bat, I have my first fucking gripe about this fucking show. <laughs> so why in the blue fuck did they change her name today? It's Christine Daye. Isn't it? She's an iconic character. Like, okay. Very famous character. The movie uh, the movie that's supposed to be based on Gaston Leroux's book, they already fucked it up in the first 20 seconds. Why? 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 Why would they change the name? I don't know. It's like, what if, like, okay, follow me. Like, what if Peter Jackson was like, hey, guys, I'm going to make Lord of the Rings, but instead of having Frodo Baggins, I'm going to name him Frodo Boggins or Frodo <laughs> Beef Pants. Just, like, this is just excuse- inexcusable. Why? There's no reason to change her name from Daye to Day. I have nothing. <laughs> I don't. 
I didn't, uh, first off, I didn't exactly catch that because I was too busy writing down uh, the creepy Satan quote at the oh, beginning yeah. of the credits. So, which is, is something, but it's about being the damned and everything like that. Yeah. But she, the only thing I can think is that when you, in, I think, the description on the back of the DVD, I'm not sure, they make a big deal out of her being an American because I, I noticed that the first time later on in the movie, everyone else is European. Everyone has a European, slight British accent, and she is supposed to be an American, which doesn't make sense. Nope. Uh, yeah. The time period that, that, Not at that all. <laughs> later part of this movie goes into. So you are correct, but that's the only... I, I will be honest. I didn't I even think, realize she was supposed to be an American. Neither did I. I, I thought just she, like, she just... Her accent Everybody else. goes on and off, on and off. Yeah. But, like, she purposefully does not speak in a British accent later, which we'll get to. But I just assumed it was either laziness or something. But like, she could still be American and still have the name Die. There's know. Americans with very... Very eclectic last Yes. Name. Yes. I mean, it's just... To me, that's the first unexcusable thing about <laughs> this movie. it was, like, a New York accent thing or... <laughs> I don't know. But they did... I will say there are some... There, there is shit like that within this movie. That's oh yes. like, yeah. <laughs> oh I'm yes, sure there you is. Up. I will, I will say just from the get go. When I watched it the first time, I was kind of like very caught up on little on shit like that. And then after watching it like the next couple times, which I had to do for this movie, maybe it's maybe it was my level of inebriation, but. I don't, I don't know. It didn't bother me. <laughs> the, the more times I watched it, the less that bothered me. <laughs> just, Fair enough. Maybe I just got desensitized. All right. So anyway, Christine is in some this Christine uh, day 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 valet. She's in this like big ass music library or something or just it's a like library. The ghost got the it ghost looks like the Ghostbusters library. like stacks. The bottom of the Ghostbusters <laughs> stacks. Um, this library searching through all sorts of old and forgotten musical pieces, looking for just the right one to use for her big audition. Did you and, notice the lighting down there? It uh, was it was nineteen eighty two blue lights. Oh, was it? Mm. <laughs> oh, mm. okay, sorry. Uh oh, I, my, my, my finger got a little itchy there for the blue. Like, mm, nope, not. We'll hold welcome, off on guys. that one. Um, so and this is where we meet. Uh, she meets up with her pal Molly Shannon, or like I say, aka New York Meg who has found a long-lost opera called Don Juan Triumphant. And for those of you who are in the know, you know DJT was the Phantom's big masterpiece mm -hmm. in the book and the other stories. So CD, as I call her, Christine D D just <laughs> I just call her CD from here on out. Uh, CD wants to know more about the composer Eric Dessler, who, so we get this brief history lesson from New York Meg about the mysterious Eric Dessler, who was a genius composer, but also suspected of being a psychopathic serial killer who was obsessed with a young opera singer who meant, who went missing on the day of Dessler's death. He will so, live forever in infamy. Yeah. And so I kind of hate this scene for one reason here, because <laughs> one, now granted, most people, most people know the story of Family Opera going into this, probably. But maybe not because this, you know, Annie Lloyd Webber's Broadway was. It doesn't touch on this. It, it doesn't, doesn't touch, touch on, on this, this at all. Part, but yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, uh, but it's coming up. So people started hurting her, but it hasn't probably reached worldwide phenomenon status yet. Um, so, but anyway, so it's like, um, so if you, but if you don't know the basic story of the Phantom, or who didn't know, like, who just wanted to see this horror movie, like, yeah, hey, I'll go see that movie. Um, I guess it's like, they just kind of ruined the whole plot of the movie. Like, 
they didn't need to say any of that. Like the, the well, you know what I mean? I it's mean, like you could just said, no. oh, he was even more mysterious. He's like, not much is known about this guy. This is his final piece because the movie is going to go into this giant hour and a half long flashback in a little bit that explains the entire story. So you don't need to sum it up in two sentences there and give the whole plot away. Let the viewers experience it as for themselves the first time through. Like okay. that's it's just Well, first off, let's think about this movie. Okay. In the terms of the time period. It is 1989. Mm-hmm. The pop mu- movies that were popular at this time. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Batman, the original Batman, best one. Parenthood, <laughs> Parenthood, Ghostbusters 2, Bill and Ted's, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. So a lot of these movies have that same feel where they're like giving away the plot. They're, they have that just that quality of cheese. They give away plot lines. It's real easy. It's real fun. It's pop. This movie, I had to really think about that when I was watching this movie because it reminded me a lot of Ghostbusters 2, which going back and watching as an adult is not as fun as when you're like 12. Yeah. So I never really cared for number two that much. Right. Right. Because it's, it's cheesy. Mm. So, But I mean, I feel like a lot of movies in this time period were real cheese. So I know that they gave away, but I mean, I think what they were trying to do was to like build a suspense for the next the very next scene like she's looking for a piece to do for an audition that is coming up because you mm-hmm. find out she goes to Juilliard yeah and Meg is her accompanist who found this apparently so, accompanist and manager I know we'll talk about that <laughs> which is weird that we'll talk stupid. about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> really stupid so anyway I'm you know I'm sticking up for movie I'll stick up for all right movie. I mean fair I enough I just I just I didn't care they're for just that. trying to I think what they're they're just trying to set the scene for how terrifying things are about to I kind of get that but it's like you know the whole thing in like they say in in, in like theater and, and other things it's like when you're writing it's like it's show don't tell yeah yeah and here they just told you everything instead of yeah. letting you w- watch it play out because you like, get more I, backstory later though I, I mean, mean you, you do get, get more a but, whole another backstory. but you get enough Right now, there's like, okay, well, we know exactly okay, who this guy happened. is. We know he's the Phantom. We know he's the killer. We, we know the Phantom is not. Take the mystery. Because the, the mystery is, is the Phantom real? Is he a ghost? Who is he? He's a real person. And now, like, nope, he's one. real. He, there he is. He's right there. His name's Eric Dessler, and he's this, and he's that, and he's this. And now it's like, well, there's all the mystery suspense gone of who yeah. it is. Um, so what I'm just saying is they could have either cut it completely, or they should have just, like I said, it's just like, have mixed say, well, there's really nothing known about this guy. Like, everything on him is, or, you know, been lost to time or burned in fire or something. Yeah. We don't know. He's just this mysterious figure named Eric Dessler who wrote this. Uh, he's just this mystery guy. We don't know. History doesn't really know anything more about him. And le- that leaves the door of mystery open. And he's like, okay, now there's a suspense, some intrigue here about this guy. So just here's everything you need yeah. to know on a silver plate. I guess they do use the word infamy and obsessed and yeah, but it also intrigues them. Intrigues the yeah, Christine gets all it's intriguing, and then Christine gets all curious, like a oh, (laughs) curious George and climbs the stacks. And yeah, we're okay, so we're getting that. And before even uh get to that part, so here's my next rant going on (laughs) right now. (laughs) So, dude, um, this is like less than 10 minutes. I know, I mean, literally, the very first scene of the movie is this. (laughs) Yep, and 
So get ready, guys. Um, so again, Sarah this. can uh, verify this with me and maybe <laughs> maybe vouch for me and be on my side with this. But she, we mentioned it earlier. So yeah, this all happens in fucking London, London, not Paris, where the actual story and every fucking version of this story takes place. But fucking London. Do you know why? Again, Wait, no, stop. Oh, nope. Oh, oh, okay. All right, Sarah's gonna stop me. Sarah's stopping me. Calm down. Okay, you gotta take a breath. I'm taking a breath. Do you know what? You're not wrong to be upset because, yes, the whole thing is supposed to be that this is like the most famous Parisian opera house Mm -hmm. in all of Paris. Yep. However, they use the same sets for this that they used for uh, Pirates of Penzance. (laughs) And it was already set up in London. And so to save money. They said it in London, and then they also talk about a lot later on. They in the you know Robert England does a whole interview. They talk a lot about um, that they wanted it to be more like Jack the Ripper. That they were really like going for mm. like a Hammer theme Jack the Ripper feel, okay. which you could do in Paris. Yeah, because so far up, these points are I, I got you, but I'm about to counter all. They this, also so. they also uh, filmed a lot of this in Budapest. <laughs> So. Yeah, let me. So that's just where I'm going to go with this. So, just because they had it set up in London, doesn't mean it had to take place in London. Because I'm pretty sure you know Star Trek, which was filmed in like the Red Rocks in California, takes place right. on space planets somewhere. They was like, oh well, we, we can't really go to space. So Sp- Star Trek is now. California desert track. Like, it doesn't make Like, just because it's in London, it doesn't mean you have to make it take place. And you can say it's somewhere else. People do that all the time in movies. It's called movie magic. That's true. <laughs> so just say it's Paris and film it in London. I think they really wanted to... Uh, I think they really wanted to make it... Because they mentioned in the interviews a, a lot about Jack the Ripper, about this London feel, about this whole thing. Either way, I don't even... Do they mention this? Because all I remember... <laughs> When they're talking about him, I don't even remember this part. <laughs> like that, they literally say back in London. I don't remember that at all. No, um, I mean, no. I, I think like New York Meg may have said something about London. Okay, but again, I think some of those excuses could just be excuses they made up to explain them. Why, like, well, we didn't film, but why? Uh, uh, oh, we wanted to feel like Jack the Ripper. Like, I think some of the things came off this, you know, skin of their ass off the last moment. Mm-hmm. Just, like, I don't know, but. That's another one. It's, it's, like my whole thing was like, okay, well, my it doesn't matter. I had a joke here, but it doesn't matter anymore. Oh man! <laughs> so it's like, I, okay, so I don't understand why they changed it. Fucking, there's no good reason to change it. Uh, and then I said, hey, Sarah, I'm going to remake the Italian job. Only instead of Italy, we're going to set it in Helsinki, but I'm still going to call it the Italian job. <laughs> it's basically the same fucking thing. Like I don't know, bad joke. They took maybe. a lot of liberties. They, they so took much. A lot of liberties. So much. We should move on. We will. Meg mentions it's almost midnight. And they need to leave. So CD tells her to go get her things while she finishes looking for the rest of the DJT composition, which she finds high up on top of the shelf, which is safety hazard all over the place. Um, because I love, yeah, she's like, I love, she's like, I don't know where the rest of the score is. I found this squished between two books. And so Meg's just <laughs> like, I'm just going to climb to the top of these stacks. CD. Yeah. Christy. Yeah. Did, what did I say? Meg. Meg, you said Meg. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but yeah, Meg, Christine just climbs up to the top of this ladder and instantly finds this lost manuscript, super rare, ultra. It came to her. <laughs> it was calling her. And then she opened oh, it. Oh, yeah, let's get to that. Okay, so, um, so, um, I had a rant about the library too, but I will skip that oh, one. Oh, God. <laughs> 
keep it going. So the other books. Um, back. So she opens the book. CD opens Don Juan Triumphant, and the first thing you notice score. are these. It's the full score. It's full score. Sheet music, and there's burn marks on the pages, and she starts singing the lyrics. And as soon as she finishes the first line, the first stanza, if you will, I don't know if that's a problem, blood comes oozing out of, like, all the, like, music notes on the pages. Yeah, it's just saturated. And just, and covers her hands in blood. She, yeah, she, like, raises her hands and looks at them. So. And then. Like, apparently she, okay, there's another thing, because she, like, she raises, she's holding the book, blood comes out of it. Then she raised her hand, so she's not holding the book anymore. She would have to drop. She would have had she's dropped the book. Meg pops up, asking, "See, hey, you ready to go?" CD, CD turns to look at her, and then when she turns back to the book, which should be on the floor by now, because she's not, and her hands are now clean, and the blood is all gone, even though she's not holding the book, but she's she holding just, the book. It doesn't make it's sense. Just, she just tripped out for a minute. You yeah, know, she just had one of those like late night uh, hallucinations. Yeah, of course. You know, she's in She's in college. It's New York in the eighties. Who knows yeah. what she was on? Um, so we cut to the theater Adderall. where the opera auditions are underway. Um, CD takes the stage for her turn. New York Meg accompanies her on the piano. Um, can I just say that I would have been murdered if I would have shown up. It, she's a Juilliard student. Yep. I would have been murdered if I showed up to a classical audition wearing a tight little booty skirt and some knee-high boots. She wears a lot <laughs> of, like, black pantyhose. I really yep. like that look, ladies, but you you cannot show up to a serious audition looking like that. They don't even – they wouldn't even listen to you. I'm just saying. <laughs> that was my rant. I was like, no way in hell would this happen. <laughs> no, good point. I, that's a perspective seat. That's why – I love Sarah's so, perspective, the female perspective on the show. I don't I would have picked up on that. But well, I mean, as a cla- I mean, as a classical person, if if you sh- yeah, there's no way. It's just like I'm a Juilliard student. I was like, <laughs> bullshit, <laughs> unbelievable. So, <laughs> so, um, CD starts singing, and of course, as soon as she starts singing, hits that first note, everyone in the entire theater is just instantly mesmerized by her voice, and they all stop what they're doing to watch her. And then she starts having visions of a packed theater with all the audience applauding her. And she's like, I don't know, having daydreams or fantasies of grandeur or something. She hallucinates a lot. We've already established Yeah. Um, and then a rope with a sandbag weight on snaps. The sandbag swings <laughs> down from the rafters from the fly aloft. It hits CD, I think, in the head and then smashes the mirrored wall behind her, breaking it. So this causes this simple thing, this act of this accident <laughs> Causes concussion. Yeah, this, I guess it's concussion. Causes CD to apparently go through a time vortex. It's like the labyrinth. <laughs> it is like the labyrinth. It's very much like the labyrinth. The labyrinth came out in 1986. Oh, they ripped off the labyrinth. <laughs> I feel really. I as soon as I saw. It, so it's like she's like. It's like some flying in midair, and yeah. her arms are flailing, and there's glass. She's and falling lights. backwards through time to the 1800s. To a new world. Yeah, and as she's falling, just visions of like a white horse pulling a carriage, mirrors breaking, and this voice that's like David Bowie, I guess, the Goblin King <laughs> saying, Christine, Christine, come Christine. back to me. The power of the babe. So, and- <laughs> a story with Robert England in it where somebody lives in a horror dreamlike state. Hmm. 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 Big stretch. That's funny. That's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's 
like, oh, is this Nightmare 5? <laughs> so now we're at the theater in ye old London. Oh, Europe. And CD wakes up on stage, surrounded by the cast and crew members. Um, she's woken up by ye old London Meg, who is not played by Molly Shannon, which I thought that was a weird decision. Why not just have him be the same person? I thought that was weird, It's too. so weird. Like, Maybe because London Meg had a London accent. Yeah. <laughs> they did say in, when they when they auditioned uh, people for this this movie, they did the auditions in London. So a lot of the actors are some of the uh, the London actors are actually very well known and went on to do some really great things like Love Actually and things like that. But I, maybe she was just like the best London. Well, I know Meg. the guy. I think it's the guy who plays the theater owner. Bill Nye, yeah, Nyers. Nye. I know he he went on to he's in Aaron's favorite. He's in yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, so I know that, but um, otherwise I don't really recognize or really know him. He's other. probably one of the best well, like best well known. That's that now. He's just mo- one of the most well known. I think. It's too bad he had such a small. I wish he had a bigger part in this one because he was actually pretty good acting wise. Um, so, um. Ye old London Meg wakes CD up, and we see a shadowy figure dressed in black walking away on the catwalk. Dun, dun, dun. Who's that? <laughs> As the rehearsal begins again, the camera pans all the way down from the stage, down to the, the pit, to the understorage area, all the way down to the catacombs and sewers beneath the theater, where we get our first look at the Phantom, or I should say Freddy Krueger, <laughs> yep. as he sews pieces of human flesh to his face. Oh man, it is really uh it's very Silence of the Lambs even though that came out after this. But it's like it's a very close up. Mm-hmm. For a long period of time I feel yeah, like Yeah, they linger on this one like, for, They linger on it. Sewing, he's like using like a a curved hook. Yeah. Needle, like a large fish like a hook large type thing. Yes. needle to like sew suture needle, skin? I guess would be the type Yeah, product. yeah. That's pretty yeah. So that's pretty close. And again, I guess they're trying Close to, you know, up. they're try- but, again trying to change things or make it more horror esque. Yes. But I mean, like, really, we're sewing skin on our face now. Like, just wear the mask. Like, where's the iconic mask? They wanted to, and again, I, I'm going to debunk things just because of what the director said. They really wanted to, and actually, it was Robert England who was very highly influential in this decision. But they wanted to use the skin as the mask. So the story here is a little bit different. It's more like Faust, which we'll talk about later, where he's selling his soul. So he's been disfigured. He wasn't like, didn't have an accident or was born disfigured, which a lot of the other Phantom of the Operas, that's their story. He's born like a freak, right? But here he's been like damned by Satan. And so they were trying to use make it more like they were basically just trying to make it gory they were trying to use uh practical effect to really make it nasty and that's so i think their choice for the skin (laughs) but we also see like he takes off like a prosthetic so you get the idea that like his ear isn't real his nose isn't real well the nose i know we see that that much that's much that's at the end we get a lot of scenes of this we get a lot He's re-sewing things a lot. So that skin doesn't last. No. Um, so we cut back to stage crew working up in the fly loft catwalks. Also, uh, really quickly, nope. he covers his face in like a makeup yes. after he sews it. And so he's very beautiful-ish. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, where's he getting all that makeup? 
I don't know. I was trying to think like, is yeah. he just like where does he get is those he just wonderful like Amazon? Toys? Like, yeah. like, hey, I need some more stage makeup. I don't know. Is he stealing it? Doesn't matter. Um, We're so two of, two of the three workers they leave, leaving this one guy Joseph alone. Um, Phantom Freddy drops down behind like fucking Batman, and the two of them talk for a bit. And Phantom Freddy accuses Joseph of blaming him for the sandbag accident. Uh, Joseph's like, they're like saying, oh, it was the ghost. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. It was the ghost. Yeah. And Joseph's like, um, tells Joseph that he's, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And Phantom Freddy's like, yeah, I don't approve of that. I don't like that. That wasn't me. Um, and then he tells Joseph that he's suspended. And with that, <laughs> Phantom Freddy kicks Joseph in the chest, sending him over the railing. A rope wraps around his ankle which, as he falls, which keeps him from plummeting all the way down to the stage floor and dying. Phantom Freddy raises the rope back up, pulls out a knife, and guts Joseph as he gets pulled up and past Freddy. As he raises up past Freddy, he just sticks it in and he gets gutted. Mm. And that's it. Joseph's dead. Uh. And now we have a... Fucking one-line spitting phantom now. This oh, basically Freddy Krueger well, spouting one-liners. Uh, okay, so first off, I did like. Let's go back to the kill. That's okay. kill number one. Kill number one. I did like, <laughs> but it was also very Freddy-esque. Where he like <laughs> guts him, and he gets. There's a shot where he gets a great blood spray yes. to the face, which I was like, that's gonna fuck up all that makeup. <laughs> and I had to redo all of that for your bloodlust. But he guts him, and he takes it in the face. Yeah. He gets full on. He, oh, he takes a good facial there. Full on facial. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, and he enjoyed it. Yeah, he did. Like, very, very much. But, yeah, I wrote down, I mean, this is the first of many Robert England, <laughs> Freddie sayings. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, the puns. I mean, I, he just can't not be Freddie. He yeah. just can't it's, not yeah. be. Uh, <laughs> you're suspended. Yeah, that's another one of my gripes right. about this movie, but let's move on. All right. <laughs> so we cut to CD in her room. She starts hearing the Phantom's voice talking to her. And again, this is supposed to be... Still wearing those black pantyhose, which is not period. Yeah. Um, so for those who are familiar with the, like, the Andrew Lloyd Webber show, this is basically supposed to be the classical angel of music scene where he's in the mirror, he's talking to her in her dressing room. This and, is in the book. Yeah, it's in the book too, yes. Um. The Phantom tells her to sing for him because he's her teacher, her angel, and tells her to sing Carlotta's lead part because that's the part you really want. That's the part that's meant for you. Um, and now, again, I know I'm so used to it. And I'm, I'm very biased towards the Andrew Lloyd Webber score music, which obviously they can't use this because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's yeah. covering. But the music they picked for a lot of these pieces, I, I didn't care for. Okay. I really didn't care for it. Like, is this some actual Faust music? No. And maybe I was like, just whatever they were using here, they, like, I didn't care for it. So, oh, the music that, oh, the music that she's singing is actually from an Fa aria from Faust. Yeah. That is a, yeah. The one that she sings that is Carlotta's is actual. Faust. And is an okay. actual aria. I've never, I won't say, I've never watched. Get, no, no, I can't say it. It's German. Goethe's. Faust, which is yeah. the opera that they're yes. putting on. I'm familiar with the story of Faust, but I've never seen the opera of it. I don't know yeah. for music, but I just like that's, I didn't care for the music. That's that also Faust is actually a German novel, and it has been rewritten and then also performed numerous, numerous times. times. There's so, like, and even numerous so, not, there's so many Faustian based themed movies and plots all throughout 
everything. It's, it's so. So that is a real piece of music. Yeah, okay. But I will say that the lip syncing in this scene is probably the worst. Yes, the it's movie. very, it's terrible. Uh, I mean, it's obvious that she is lip syncing to, an, uh, which thank God that's fine. Like to have an actual soprano like sing the parts, mm-hmm. or else it would have been horrendous to watch. I think. <laughs> But she is not. I mean, it's like very close up of her face, and it's it's not great. No. But anyway, she she does it. I mean, she sings the song, and it's that whole. There's a lot of like blue light and a lot of shadow passing behind, kind of cartoonish looking windows, and then the um, scene with the mirror, which is in both the stage play and the book. But very little in this movie, though. Like, they don't do a whole lot with the mirror. No, that was it. The mirror. Right? That's the yeah. only scene where you really, where we really see And honestly, that. there are times I'm like, is, it like, is that supposed to be the mirror? Because it looks like you're just looking at it through a window. Because it doesn't really look like it's the mirror. Right. So, um, so she tells her, and Phantom's like, hey, okay, you're ready for tonight. You're, you're good. You're good <laughs> to go. Don't worry. You'll, I don't remember what he says, but he basically alludes to the fact that something is going to befall <laughs> yeah. the Soprano. Um, so we cut to Carlotta taking a bubble bath in her dressing room, uh, talking to the theater's owner who's trying to get her to sign her new contract. And she's being the bitchy super diva that of Carlotta course. is. Um, he storms out after hearing all her demands and her being kind of irrational. So she, he's gone. Do you see do you, this is where you, we get the first um, and maybe only like you bitch. Yeah. Which I was like, man, it's weird that. Freddie didn't just say. Yeah, Freddie didn't say, "Bitch." It was. I was like, "You're suspended, bitch." I wrote first, "You bitch," because I was expecting a lot more from that. From Freddie, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, that's a good bitch. Um, she gets out of the tub, goes to her wardrobe, and slips on a pool of blood. She has totally press on nails, by the way. I mean, I notice little shit like this, but it it cracks me up because in the '80s, when they do period pieces, they do not. I, so many movies do not pay attention to, like, they did not have Lee Press on nails yeah. back in the 1800s. No. <laughs> like, and she needed a fill really bad. But they really, like, focus on her hand opening this wardrobe, wardrobe yeah. <laughs> with her terrible nails. And so uh, she opens the door, and there's Joseph hanging in there who has been completely skinned. <laughs> uh, he opens his eyes. His eyes pop open. He lunges out for her saying, help me. Uh, he rips off her towel. Sadly, no tits or ass were seen. I know. Like, really? You're going to rip off the towel? We're not going to get... Okay, lame. We're not going to get anything. And then Carla, Carla just cowers in the corner screaming, and that's the scene. Do we... I, Since you brought this up right here, do we ever really see tits and ass in any Freddy movies, in any Nightmare movies? Ooh. Listeners, help us out. I've it's seen them right. all. Yeah, you're I right. I don't like know if there are a whole lot of tits and ass. And, the and, second one is all about... It's a there's lot, lot of man of, ass in the second man one. Ass, man yeah. ass, but yeah, now there might not be a whole lot of nudity in the Friday t- Nightmare I know movies. you don't see Nancy's tits. Yeah, I, anyway. I'm drawing a blank, anyway, but it's been like so, yeah. So, um, how is that guy still alive? By the way, if he got, is that Joseph? Yeah, that's Joseph. Okay, so he got gutted and then skinned. He should be dead, a hundred percent dead. What just happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's another one of my problems with this movie. That guy, there's no way he'd be alive. He gets gutted from, like, sternum to, like, navel when he's being pulled up the rope. Blood gushes everywhere. And then he gets skinned? And you're telling me somehow he's still alive? What? No. No way is that going to possibly happen. Again, that's so Nightmare on 
Elm Street that's so like <laughs> I'm in a dream and like somebody's dead but alive like <laughs> yeah so, but either way, she falls down and starts screaming. Yeah, she's screaming. And then she loses her voice. Um, no, she doesn't even lose her voice. She gets, she's she doesn't feel well. Was the excuse I think that the, the, the inspector and the manager says she's sick. She doesn't feel well, doesn't so she matter. can't perform tonight. She won't perform. She won't go on. So the show's about to start, and it's announced yeah here that Carlotta will not be performing tonight, and that CD will take her place. Um, several people in the audience just get up and they leave automatically hearing that. Um, backstage, the cops show up to investigate the crime scene. Oh, these guys. Uh, the lead inspector says, this is a work of an artist. An artiste. An artiste. Um, meanwhile, out in the house, Phantom Freddy takes his seat in his private box. Um, the show that is being performed is, is like we talked about, it's the famous Faust play mm-hmm, opera. Mm-hmm. Um, this triggers a flashback in Phantom Freddy's mind. So now we go to some pub or tavern where Eric Dessler is playing a piano and coming down the stairs with a girl on each arm is a very well-groomed midget. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw, I'm sorry, I laughed when I saw this for the first time. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. I mean, All right, let's sure. make an agent of Satan a midget. Yeah. That, I mean. Spoilers. Tyrion. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, I believed it. I guess maybe back then they probably thought midgets were devil people uh, or probably, something. Probably. Probably. Um, Way to go, 1980s. Yeah. The, well, I was also talking about 1800s, but yeah. <laughs> Way to go, 1800s. Yeah. Uh, the midget tells Eric that he plays wonderfully <laughs> and asks whose music he's playing. It's a lot of discrimination in the 80s. I mean, the, um, Eric tells him it's his, and the midget then asks what Eric would do to have his music live on forever. Would he sell his soul to the devil? He literally says that. Would you sell your soul to the devil? Mm-hmm. And Eric's like, yep. Totally. Now, doesn't even hesitate. Doesn't blink eyes. Yep. He's like, yeah, I mean, okay. Um, so the midget says, then, that is what the world will love you for. But that's all yes. it will love you Aww. for. He then reaches out his a tiny little hand and cups it over Eric's <laughs> mouth. Like he's trying to shush him. And then we hear like this singeing sound followed by smoke rising up. <laughs> and when the midget removes his hand, Eric's face is now pretty much, well, like just Freddy Krueger face. Right. It's just Freddy Krueger face. Um, Very dreamlike. Very again, very reminiscent of a dream. Yes, we jump back to the Faust opera where CD makes her big big debut. Phantom Frey looks like he's about to bust a nut in his pants when she starts singing. Like he is like about to. He's obsessed. Yeah. Um, speaking of nuts, this is where I was like, can we talk about his chin for a second? Oh my God. Cause God damn, it looks like he's got two square nuts hanging off his chin. He is Dudley do right it up. Yeah. That motherfucker. It is so. Like protruding and angular with like a like the little chin line going. It looks like a, oh. like nuts or like a butt crack on his face. Again. It's so bad. He okay the so, <laughs> so the practical effects guy and uh, Robert England worked really really hard together on this look, and they purposefully did this to make him look. I think they use the words like more romantic or. Even beautiful at times. That chin is like, to me the opposite made, of all those. They were trying to make him look like those cheesy busts of Beethoven that you always see that are like, uh, that with the hair flowing, the hair, because he's wearing a hair piece. The way, yeah, I get that, but I don't remember Beethoven or any of those busts having no, they had really, nut, you know, nutsack chin. They really, <laughs> yes, they really accentuated the chin. I don't like, know it's what it's like. As a Jay Leno's got a big chin. Like, this thing's bigger than Jay Leno's chin. Uh, <laughs> 
So, um, so after the show, Phantom Freddy heads out on the town to pick up hookers. Because why not? Yeah. <laughs> My post-opera hooker hookup. There's another. There is another scene with the uh, when they go where you meet Richard, who is the other co-owner, and he. We're like, going to talk about him later. Okay, yeah. De- he's demanding to know what's happening to the star and in her dressing room, and then like the um inspector inspector they have this whole back and forth and he says something like in the flesh like he keeps saying like that's him in the flesh this is when you talked about the work of the artist yeah but they have a whole conversation and while they're standing there talking they're like these two bobbies are just like walking out with well, one, like, the, the, on the, the, the yeah like the body the on the stretcher on the, i demand to know as the half owner of this what is happening in my thing and they're like do 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 going through excuse <laughs> don't us. Mind us don't mind us taking the skinned corpse out <laughs> everything's fine here <clears throat> excuse me but yeah now he's whoring this yeah is, so yeah he, he goes out jack the ripper because he's like walking down this alley yeah and these whores are like governor what you got going on and he's like no bitch like <laughs> you want a potty tonight <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> like for some company um so yeah he picks up a hooker and he takes her to some little motel room mm-hmm. and we see at this point his face is starting to fall off like mm-hmm. the skin pieces are falling off and Gaps. So he insists the lights stay off, and he also insists on calling his hooker Christine. Tonight, you will be Christine. So we cut to um, CD at a fancy post-show party or dinner, and uh, she talks with who is supposed to be, here comes another rant, Raul. But again, they fucking changed that too, because not only did they change that that they completely dropped Raul from the fucking story altogether, yeah. and instead we get this fucking generic fucktard who is one of ha- the half owner of the theater. Richard, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Come okay, on, so okay, no, yeah, okay. The original story, the the two owners play a pretty good part. They're they're main characters. They're they're good characters, um, but they were much older gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And they were never romantically involved with with Christine in any way. So I'm like, Christine is a child. Yeah, she's an aunt. She's basically like 17, mm-hmm. 18. Um, so, but like, why the fuck are they changing this? There's no need. Again, it's just this is a pointless change. Mm-hmm. They could have just had the owner and then had a Raul guy. Here's Raul. It's, again, it's like, hey, we're gonna make yeah. we're gonna remake Romeo and Juliet, but instead of. Uh, you know, but we're going to fucking drop that Romeo loser and replace him with some local shop owner or something. Like, it's, it's, these kind of changes just boggle my mind. It's one of those, I think, too. Well, and I don't know, like, at the time, going back, well, at the time, at the time, I didn't know I'd have to defend this movie. Like, I wasn't ready to defend it. Um, let's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, so, I mean, I, got, I get, like, in. And Lloyd Webber's and a lot of the other movies and stage shows, like they drop Raul's brother, who is in the book, who is a big part of the book. He is a big. And I get, I I understand dropping him from all the other Mm -hmm. stuff, but Raul is like, how can you drop Raul? It's like Christine and Raul. That's like the Romeo Juliet. It's part of like the love triangle. That's the whole. Well, because they were childhood friends, and he sees her at the opera. Yes, how they and they reconnect. Yeah, this guy here, it's just like, oh, I'm owner of theater, and all of a sudden, like, I'm just here. I know it's a change, but it's not like it's completely. I mean, again, I think it was just something that they chose to do. Maybe they 
Maybe they decided to cut down on characters because they had to. They had to employ hundreds and hundreds of extras for those scenes. <laughs> for some of the scenes that we see, like the full theater scene, mm-hmm. maybe they're just like, we can't afford another. I, I, can't, okay, I think what if I, personally for me, and I grant, I probably take the Phantom thing too, Larry, because that's such a, I guess, beloved thing that I have the the story. Yeah. But if they're gonna make that change, then just make. Richard, Richard, Raul, yeah, or Richard, whatever, but just make him Raul. Don't make him one of the owners. Just yeah. leave Bill Nye to make the one owner. Just have the one owner, and then this guy be Raul or Richard, who is a childhood friend. Who like don't you're like you're getting rid of a character, and then you're altering another character that's not there. Like there's better, I think, better ways to have gone about this and the way they did it. Richard definitely uh, does not like the other owner either. He like makes a lot of <laughs> comments about like kicking his ass. Yeah, like why are these guys even in business him. together yeah, in the they first don't, place? Don't really like each other at all. I will say too, they had a lot of pressure. This was interesting that they decided to make this movie when the show was still actively on Broadway. Yes. Because the guy that composed all the music, he purposefully did not he said purposefully did not listen to any of the score i doubt that they i know there's no way you can't hear that if you but he 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 had the task of writing all of the original music to not be anything like andrew lloyd weber and they tried really purposefully because i maybe i'm completely wrong they tried really hard to only focus on the book and not what people were ingesting as far as the andrew lloyd weber if you're saying they read the book, I don't think they read the book for no, this they at did. all. They did. The The director was an incredible uh, fan of the book, and the screenwriter had never read the book, and he comments that he he read it and really loved it and took it from there. Okay, so, that blows my mind, because I was going to say, I don't think they even read the book after watching this movie. No, they definitely were trying to focus more on the original book, because at the same time, Andrew Lloyd Webber... It was a phenomenon. Right? Yeah. People people were freaking out about oh, it. Yeah. They love it. So they were trying to purposefully put out a different product from that. That's all I can say. I think maybe they did an overcorrection then at they some pro- point. Yeah. Um, so. Anyway, he's uh, in a see, bar yeah, composing, see, which I want to say is, oh, oh wait, you're, oh, We're sorry. not even there yet, but yeah. We're so, not there yet? <laughs> no. CD tells uh, this Jabroni Richard that about her angel. Jabroni. <laughs> Her angel music angel. teacher that her dead father sent to her. And she sounds crazy at this point. <laughs> she literally sounds like she's insane. But this is, she's very impressionable. In, yes. She's very impressionable in all aspects. And like, that is her character. Because if she wasn't so stupid, yeah. if she wasn't so young and ignorant, then she would never have gone along with, with, the, this, fa- yes. with the Phantom. And he basically is tricking her. I mean, in the book, he drugs her and kidnaps her. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's very rapey. Like, he's very rapey to her in the book. And that is one thing. He tricks her to make her think that her dead father, whom she is grieving over, has sent him to help her because her father was a musician and that's how she got involved with yes. the opera. Um, backstory on CD. So also at this dinner, this is where another issue I had with the movie, not so much uh, the, for the movie because Richard just suddenly out of nowhere. She's like, Oh yeah, my dead father sent me this angel guy. And he's like, will you marry me? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> she just blurts this. I'm like, him. 
this whole movie so far, there's been no fucking indication that Christine and Richard were a couple. No. <laughs> I mean, fuck, this is the first time the entire movie that they've been in the same scene together. <laughs> He's She's never mentioned him. He's never mentioned her. But from out of fucking nowhere, all of a sudden they're a couple and he's proposing. That was like, whoa, wait a minute. Her voice just put him over the top. He just was like, you sang Faust. And I feel like back then uh, a marriage proposal is basically just saying like, I really want to do you. They couldn't do it without that. I mean, they had to, you know, they had to do it right or else she would be scorned, a scorned woman forever and couldn't have that. (laughs) But he does. He does get a little... But it's so, it's so, it was so blindsided to me. Like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> He's like, so what? ignorant and stupid. I love you. <laughs> yeah. I love you you're crazy. You think your dead dad sent you angels of music? <laughs> will you marry me? Because <laughs> like, cool if you believe that, <laughs> then you will believe anything. And I can... Could you lean over the crepes just a little bit? A little bit more. <laughs> Let's get married. If you believe that, you will believe that I have a I have a horrible illness, and the only way to cure me is for you to put my penis in your mouth. <laughs> well, I mean, dysentery was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how you cure dysentery? That's exactly. Uh, how you do. <laughs> well, that's what... Yep. <laughs> Jesus. So we jump back to PF Phantom Freddy. Oh, really quick. Is this this is the same scene where the other owner is talking to the critic? Yeah, I think so. Yes, and or that... it's coming. That's coming up. Okay, but yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if we were going to get there. We're going to. Okay. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's that's happening here somewhere. Okay. It's, yeah. Some, yeah. No, it's just the scene. Forth. Yeah. Okay. So P.F. Andrew Freddy, he's done with his hooker bang section or his hooker hookup, and he's now at a local tavern, sitting at a small table alone, composing his music. I have a problem with this. Because the Phantom never really, I mean, in the book, you hear of him leaving and going out, but the Phantom does not go out. No, in he's the, not. No, he exactly. Go to the bar? He no. go to the pub and have like a beer? Another beer problem I had with this. Like, I get the first one. I mean, as before, he was all disfigured and horrible and it's fine. But this time, it's like, why would you go out? If you're trying to be mysterious and you're murdering people and you hate how you look and you want people to see you, why are you going out to populated bars where there's lots of people? Like, it makes zero sense. It's yeah. so dumb. So he's sitting there writing his music alone. And now for like really no reason, these three guys just start harassing him. Um, They think he has money. Yeah. Um, So later when PF leaves, he gets followed by the men who surround him in a back alley. He does say to them, because he's like, hey, I think I've seen you in here before. And he's like, I never forget a face. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, (laughs) gee. Because I take faces. Mm Mm-hmm. So, excuse me. Foreshadowing. Um, so they 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 surround him in this back alley and demand that Phantom Freddy hand over his coin purse. And now we go from family opera shitty horror movie to John Wick of the opera. I shit you not, this turns into a full blown like John Wick action scene. The men attack PF, who easily fights them off. So he, the first guy he grabs. And throws him across the alleyway with such force <laughs> and strength that the man gets launched like six feet up into the air and does a complete full flip. Have you ever seen an episode, any episode of the A-Team where it's like in the montage section where they're fighting and B.A. Baracus, who is played by uh, Mr. T. Mr. T. 
every single fight, he will launch someone into the air, and they will do a slow motion visual of it where the guy's like, yeah, that's pretty much exactly that's what this is. That's what it is. I was like, where's BA? So, um, then PF pulls out a fucking Indiana Jones bullwhip. Oh. Yeah, you heard that right. The Phantom of the Opera pulls out a bullwhip. Well, before that, where we talk about he launches the guy, yes. it's kind of like he does like some weird cape. Yeah, he work. does like the the, the, the like, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, like, uh, like uses his cape like, as a weapon where he, like, he wraps what? around the guy's arm that's attacking him and he flings him around. Like, yeah, he's doing like this martial arts shit. There is kung fu in this movie. Yep. Um. Yeah, then he pulls out the whip. The fucking bull whip. And uh, he, he he cracks the whip. Oh, oh, where, where, oh, damn it. I had... It's too late now. Uh, oh. Oh, what's that? There it is. <laughs> he cracked the whip. Yeah. It wraps around Guy One's neck. And he pulls him in closer. And when he pulls him into him, he pulls out a hidden dagger that was inside the handle of the bull whip. And uses that <laughs> to kill the man. Um... The main leader of the muggers sends his other crony well, at PF. That is, is that, is that the stabbing or is that the off, do we see that one or is that the off screen kill? It's the stabbing. Okay. The stabbing. Okay. Um, okay. So sticking with you. Sticking main with mugger you. sends his other crony at PF and PF just grab, instantly just like grabs him from and spins around. So he's got like, he's got him like okay. a little chokehold. Yes. And um, then he uses the dagger to with ease, with ease, cuts the man's head off, with clean off his body. Don't see. No. We do not see this scene. You see him dig, the, the, you see him put the knife to yeah. the neck, and then it cuts away to the mugger's, mugger leader's reaction. He's like, ooh, ooh, no, and you're like. <laughs> it was a really anticlimactic thing. Yeah. It looked like he smelled something bad. Yes. Like, you can hear the sound effect. It's, it's like. So- it's so he's bad. Like, yeah, he's like, Ugh. he's watching his buddy Ooh. get decapitated Ooh. right from him. He's just like, eh. like, it was so. It's like funny. It's like the, a dog fart smell or something like that. Okay, so I have I have a note about this. This was a scene that had to be cut because of the ratings. Yeah, I want, I, I remember reading that. Okay, yeah. and so in the real scene. They they show the entire beheading and so the weird facial expressions from this guy I don't think are in there, and that's disappointing. Those to are me. probably that's reshoots. Really like oh, we gotta get a to who just react. He's like, eh, yeah. Eh. yeah. Um, so um, but he bowls the head. Yes, he, he like, then rolls the head over to the feet of the mugger leader. <laughs> At this point, the leader screams, runs away, and now PF becomes like a magical teleporting bat. Man, he's who, everywhere. Who just keeps dropping down from the oh, shells man. every time the leader turns around in the direction. He drops down from the sky in the shells. Like, yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Come on. <laughs> I'm Batman. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm the Phantom. <laughs> uh, or Freddy. So PF grabs this man, lifts him up off the ground with one fucking hand. The man calls him something like, you're a hell demon or something like that. Whatever. You're a thing from hell. Yeah. And Phantom Freddy, being and it's Freddy, fires back with the one-liner zinger, and you're hell bound, bitch. And then stabs the man in the stomach, killing him. That's it. <laughs> His manuscript's blowing in the street. Man, he does. Yeah. Yep. 
And then you see him, he puts gold coins on the guy's eyes. Yeah, for like the, the ferryman at the he river leaves, sticks. Yeah, he leaves gold coins everywhere. Like he's leaving gold coins in the seat at the opera box. But it's and... weird, but he doesn't do that with like, he didn't do that with Joseph. He no. doesn't do it with other people. He just well, Joseph this, was still alive. So he didn't, he didn't do it with the other two people he killed in the alley. It's just this guy, yep. he pays the hooker in gold coins, and that's like it. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's really it. They don't, so it doesn't really make sense. It's like they were trying to establish something and then forgot about it, and then they just never went back to it. But then they show him, he's like, has his knife, and it like alludes to the fact that he's going to cut off his face. Yeah. He holds up the knife, and he's like, okay, he's going to skin him now. Would have been cooler if they would have shown that. Yeah. But. Would have been cooler if you did, man. <laughs> uh, the next morning, back at the theater boarding house, the all-girls house, ye old Meg comes running into CD's room with a copy of today's paper with the opera review in it. And, oh, by the way, CD likes to just lounge around in the mornings wearing black corsets and black thigh highs. Well, she drank a lot of wine the night before, <laughs> so it looks like she fell asleep in her chair. And I can't say I haven't done that, so. <laughs> I felt her pain. I mean, you know, whatever. She got... She was take Richard took her out on the town. I she guess. To drink all the wine, and she's not used to that because she's young and dumb. Yeah, she cured him of his dysentery. <laughs> she did. It was a rough night. <laughs> it was a rough for night. everybody except for Richard. Um, she. Ooh, we did. We did. Uh, I just want to say we did gloss over the fact that we do see the hooker one more time, which I was very excited about because yeah. obviously she lived. We saw the gold coins, and she rolls over, and, and you that's the get tip. A shadow boot. You get a it's shadow boot. Yeah, you get shadow boot and like backlit nipple. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But I had to make note because I think that was the. That's only the one. only one. Yep, it's the only one. Um, so they're reading the review. They're reading the review, and it's and a bad it's one. Bad. Yeah. So we cut now. But okay. back in the restaurant, it's a whole thing because it, there's you see the review critic. In the opera, they had a lot. Critics had a huge, huge pull back then. Yes. If the critic didn't like you, it could ruin everyone. So the owner, the other guy, the hoity guy, um, the owner and the critic are having dinner together at the same time that CD. They're basically in cahoots. Yeah, they're in cahoots because... The he, other owner loves Carlotta. Yes, he, so and that's the like, draw. Basically, like you can't put out a good review about Christine, yeah. and so you get the idea that they're in cahoots and he's getting paid off. So yeah, because he, he he's all about rip. if we if Carlotta loses the position or we we'll lose money, people will stop coming because she's our star. Yes. So yeah, and so they lose. So he's trying to he pr- protect and, his yeah. investment. Yes. Um. So he writes a scathing review. Yes. We cut now. We go to this like gentleman's. Bathhouse where oh, yeah, it's a bath. yeah. um, PF is lying in wait in the steam room for the newspaper opera critic to show up because of course he knows where he is. Like, what? Like, Sandra like always knows where people is at all time. People are at all time. Like, like how would you know this? But he's a spawn of Satan. I guess <laughs> he's Batman. He's Batman. <laughs> um, and, okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was gonna say, and this is no surprise, Phantom Freddy kills him. By wrapping his face and head in a towel. How? how? Um, What kind of thread count does that towel have? (laughs) And he tightens it. Like, he squeezes the back of it like, you know, like a bread tie. Like, and he squeezes it so tight. This is like a Jason Voorhees type kill. He squeezes the towel so tight that it causes the critic's head to get crushed and, like, pop. And it sounds, it's like the sound effects are like his face is being crushed. Yes. Like, by a trash compactor or something. Yeah. Like, like we've seen Jason Voorhees like grab somebody's head and like crush it in his bare hands. 
That's basically what's happened here, only with the towel. And then Phantom Freddy, for good measure, smashes his head up against the tile wall. That's it. He's dead. Opera critic done. I have a question, and I tried to go back in the book and look it up. But is and I could this could be another horror mo- horror book that I've read, <laughs> so I'm not remembering. Does this happen in the book? Doesn't he kill a critic in the bathhouse, but by smashing his head? on the sink I feel like this Maybe. happens I feel like this happens in the book it might it, I won't lie because you had the book for a I while did. I didn't get a chance to go back and reread it and I haven't read it in like probably 10 years before my daughter was born I think is what, or right like when it, she was born I feel like it happens in the book and because I remember reading that and being like holy because they talk about like the blood flowing down and the water in the sink and then he smashes the guy's head repeatedly on the sink and then like when the inspector finds him it's like this whole thing which would have been cooler than a towel yeah just saying i agree um but they chose a towel um so that's that he's dead so now um after we go back to cd she's after she's done reading her bad review in the paper she rushes out of the boring house to go to visit her dead father's grave and now there's here's one of the a big continuity error here when she leaves and flags down the carriage taxi she's holding a bouquet of white and pink flowers none of which are roses by the way just white and pink they might be like i don't they're not daisies but there's basic flowers uh but when she arrives at the cemetery she now has four red roses yeah, I didn't catch that. Yep, <laughs> good one. Um, I was she, only thinking about like Richard, like just randomly being there to run after the quick. Yeah, another reason. Christine, Christine. Everybody just happens to be in the right place at the right time all the time. That's convenient, <laughs> convenient. Um, she places the flowers on her father's grave, and again, this is a big scene from the productions and the book and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, she starts talking to him, and that's when. Um, Phantom Freddy shows up playing the violin in the mist, which, yeah. by the way, why is there mist here all of a sudden? Because it's a graveyard, it's, I mean, it's <laughs> snowing when she leaves the boarding house. Uh, I get that. But this one tiny section of cemetery is misty. It's <laughs> just this one section. <laughs> every cemetery has to have fog and backlights. No. I think the Phantom Freddy is such a show. I think he travels with, like, a little portable mist machine and sets it up early. <laughs> it's a lot of dry ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Half the budget was dragged. Um, he is the angel of music. And that is that scene that where, like, he's standing on. It looks like he's sta- in the show and in the book. They talk about him being, like, on top of the crypt. Yeah, he's on like, top of the mausoleum. Basically yeah. uh, controlling her mind with his music. Yes. Like, she's in a trance. Um. So... um. PF here also seems to have the force or magical powers, which he uses to lock the gate behind Christine <laughs> from like a hundred feet away. <laughs> um, Richard shows up now, um, but CD is so transfixed on PF with, and his violin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells her that uh, they will make music that will last forever and lures her into his carriage while Richard is shouting out her name and fighting to get the gate open. He finally gets the gate open, runs for CD, but PF now plays the brown note or something. <laughs> he plays this musical note on his violin that's so high pitch it causes Richard to just drop to his knees in pain. He's grabbing the side of his head, screaming. But yet somehow Christine in the car- is perfectly fine and unaffected. She's protected. 
Um, so PF now races away in his carriage, and that's the scene. I think don't Richard's hand don't his ears bleed? Uh, yeah, I think I thought, I was looking like, at like I it's hard to tell, like, but I think he did his ears were bleeding. Yeah, he a bit. like pulls his hands away, and his like face and his hands are like bloody, but they don't show it very well. No, it's it's hard to tell. The, the, but yeah, I thought the same thing. Make your ears bleed. Um, so we cross fade to the catacombs where we meet the dirty rat catcher doing his job catching <laughs> he's, rats. He's actually that character is in the book, yeah. and he's in other public. He's in other uh, adaptations. Yes. Uh, we pan over to uh, Phantom Freddy leading CD through the sewers and catacombs to his mm, lair. It smells good. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> which he says will be CD's new home now. Uh, she wanders around the lair. She finds the Don Juan Triumphant score, wants him to play it, but play it for her, but he doesn't want to because it's incomplete. But he gives in, of course, and he starts to play it on his organ, and she starts singing along. And I'm like, how the fuck is she singing along? She has never seen this thing before. She doesn't know the words. And I'm glad they comment on that because they act, Robert England or Freya is like, how the hell do you know the words? <laughs> and she's like, I just felt them. I know this or something. Like, it's well, some lame sings, excuse. I think it's she. See, I think they're trying to incorporate this like mysterious dream-like spell that she's obviously under. That she's in this like new world, right? So a whole new world. Sang, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why she's <laughs> made a lad in there, but <laughs> let's make that into a horror. Movie. Yes. <laughs> I think they scary. did. It's called Wishmaster. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> I was going to say. Wait a minute, genies. Um. I think that because she sings it right, she sees his finished score and sings it in the very beginning of the movie, so mm-hmm. she definitely knows it. And so now it's just another excuse for him to be like, "We were meant to be." Yeah, you're you're going to be married to the music. Yeah, um, making a deal with the devil. Yeah. So afterwards, he comes. Uh, he tells her to come to him, and he will be, and he will give her everything. He takes her hand and puts a wedding finger on her finger, telling her that she's now married to the music and that she can't have two masters. And that ring is the same ring that the little devil midget guy puts in his tip cup. Oh, well, I missed that yeah, part. Yeah, so okay. when they make the deal in the bar, you know, when, yeah. yeah, then he takes the little midget takes this little stubby ring off and like dips it. Well, no wonder it was, she couldn't get off her finger. It's made know, for a midget. I know. Well, and then they make a point to show it like ting, 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 ting in the cup, like slow motion. I somehow missed that part. Yes, so that was the, okay. that is the same ring, which is Well, that, hard. okay. At least there's some but she, connection there. He makes a comment like, we are going to be married forever. And and he like leads her off. And I was like, wait a minute. Like this is, are they going to consummate right now? Yeah. So she's already like taking care of dysentery, and yep. now like she's found herself like married to the music, which means like more yep. penis. Yep. Damn. The skin flute. <laughs> she's a master. She, 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 she's a master. She plays the skin flute. <laughs> Just put your mouth on it and blow, right? That's how you play it. <clears throat> so, all right, so we cut to Richard and the police investigator in a church now? For sure, yeah, why not? Um, I don't know why not meet at the police station to have a talk about the murders, but instead they're at the church. Um, <laughs> they have to be protected. Yeah. Um, he goes to ask Richard if he believes in God because it's going to take a leap of faith for Richard to believe uh, what he has to tell him. And he goes on to s- say the story of the Phantom is true and retells the whole story about how Eric made a deal with the devil who deformed his face. So again, I'm like, why the fuck are we telling this again? We just 
watched the flashback a little while ago. Backstory time. because They we wanted, don't need that twice. They wanted an excuse to show another close-up of him sewing his face together and like taking his freaking ear off. Right, I mean, again, like, that's that's what happens while he's telling a story, but my, yeah. this is my, my point was like, there's a phantom why are we, below your opera house. Yeah, why are we doing this again? We just saw it. So what they should have done, in my opinion, um, is just cut the whole flashback scene during Faust out and move it. Move it to here. If, the, if you're going to have the inspector telling the backstory of the phantom selling his soul, have oh. that be the flashback here where he's actually talking about. We don't need it to see it while... While he's watching Faust, and yeah, he's selling his, which is whole scene where Faust sells his soul. I get that, but then you don't need to either. You don't need to retell it a second time with the inspector. You could just cut or, or skip ahead and imply that okay, he filled him in and everything. We don't need this extra retelling okay. of something we've already seen. Okay, this is getting deep, but uh, Robert England really thinks that he is a freaking Shakespearean actor. <laughs> it's obvious when you listen to interviews with him, but I, I do you think that they like did that so that it would give the audience this like this look into the phantom character as like not a horrible person because the book like original adaptation <laughs> original story tries to make people like feel bad mm -hmm. for Eric, right? Like, oh, he was this deformed person. So like maybe they're trying to show like Yeah, there's the a sympathy there for him. Yeah. When you're but yeah, it, it's kind of hard to make, make Eric the fandom in this sympathetic when they're when they're telling the flashback of his story, them showing him so people's skin to his face. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Makes it hard to be sympathetic to the guy. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And it was his own choice. Like in the first one he was born that way. C right. Circumstances outside of his right. control. Here he totally chose, like, yep, I'll sell my soul to the devil. I, I agree. So there's no sympathy card here. And like sure. in Andrew Lloyd Webber, there's sympathy. The book, there's sympathy. He's a sympathetic character and tragically sympathetic. But, yeah, yeah there is some sympathy there. And this one, no. Like, yeah. so I don't, yeah, not at all. Um, So, while, like I say, okay, Phantom's taking off the makeup. And, and this is where we see he takes off the dentures, yeah. takes his ear off. And you see, like, that, That's the, right, the, the plastic nose he takes off. It puts in like these little tins of water and That's all that. That's gross. It's real uh, gross. I will say, like, separated from this movie, it's pretty good. I don't know. I don't know. I like. I mean, I liked it because it, it yeah. really it was it was it. And but so again, hundred percent. By the time he takes everything off, the wig, the skin, all that, it's one hundred percent again just Freddy Krueger makeup. It looks exactly it like Freddy. It is, and he's like, and the way that they're telling the backstory, it's like trying to create this like intense. Uh, suspense like as he's taking you see him take off each piece and, yeah. and everything there they also show like some it's kind of back to that um, ripper kind of a thing where like the inspector's like showing uh, Richard pictures of his last victims like yeah I would recognize I don't know he like <laughs> he grills him like someone's doing uh, murder and Christine I won't say her last name name uh, <laughs> and Richard's like could you possibly think it is me and he's like no I've seen this work before yeah. and then he like shows him like this series of black and white photography which probably wouldn't have existed that's right I thought the same thing I was like I don't <laughs> think they quite had that yet let's go to the dark room yeah. and just like set up these but anyway and he shows him all these things he's like no I've seen this work before it's the work of Eric Dressler he's out there somewhere Um, he's everywhere so, again, I don't know how the inspector knows this fact. 
He's been following him forever. Um, but even if he's following him, I don't understand how he would know, know this. Know. Um, he says the only way to kill the Phantom is to destroy his music. Yes. All right, wait, wait, what? What the fuck is this shittery? Like, what is, what, what? <laughs> like, where did this come from? <laughs> I don't know. Like, the only, how, first of all, that's nonsense. That's gibberish talk. Um, and second, how would the inspector know that? <laughs> <laughs> Who? How? Where did they come up with that theory? And why is that a thing in this movie? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, if the inspector is not giving, I mean, he knows he sold his soul. He gives you all this backstory, but yeah, how would he know that? <laughs> how would he? I mean, I can, I can. Okay, he was damned over his music, right? He was, right. He was. I'll give him that. Like, okay, he music. knows that he was damned by the devil. He sold so. And so his fine. music is the is the key to his destruction. I I get that, but yeah, this is <laughs> this is yeah. So Eight, we 1989s. Yeah, 1989 logic. <laughs> we cut back logic. to CD in her room, desperately trying to get the ring off her finger, but it's so tight on that it ca- it's causing her finger to bleed every time she tries pulling it off. Um, Richard shows up outside. She writes. And she's in the room with uh, Meg, ye old London Meg, yeah. London Meg, um, <laughs> ye old London, <laughs> Governor, uh, yeah, Governor Meg. Um, she so uh, Christine writes a note to him and tells Meg to give it to him. Um, and, P, uh, and the whole time outside the the boarding house, uh, Phantom Freddy is watching from an alley as Richard comes and goes, and he's watching all this. Um, so now we cut to the famous masquerade scene. Masquerade? No, wait, no, 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 not no. That one. wrong, not wrong. That one. <laughs> That's the good one, but yes. not that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, not this one. Masquerade. That's the best scene. You come back from intermission, and it's like grandiose with yeah. the staircase. Oh, let's watch that. I would love to watch that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so everyone's dancing, drinking. The inspector and his partner and some other cops, they arrive at the party. He's like, no women and no alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> um, Richard, or as I started calling him at this point, generic dick, meets up with CD at the ball. Generic dick. <laughs> uh, PF makes his entrance. Uh, Phantom makes his elaborate entrance wearing the famous Red Death costume. It looks great in here. I will say that. It looks really good. Um, they do a, this is like, I will say they do a really great job with this costume. It's very much like the description in the book. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of, I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber did a good job of recreating that, I think too. So like a hundred percent. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Freddie basically, uh, he finds Carlotta and starts dancing with her and she for some reason is instantly stricken by him like just oh i love this guy first off he is he witnesses christine and raul who they think they think that they've i mean generic dick dick (laughs) they think oh not yeah i'm sorry i said raul yeah (laughs) sorry raul um he overhears her say like i love you richard Mm -hmm. and he's like i will go get uh coach and we'll get out of here immediately so they're like professing their love which is very much like all of the other yeah versions mm-hmm. and of course eric overhears this the phantom overhears this and is angry mm-hmm. he is angry so he goes after carlotta yes um but who, carlotta it, is a whore yeah <laughs> apparently <laughs> she's like oh my god you're a magnificent dancer which 
kind of to me contradicts her whole character because in every other scene we see she's just a bitch she's all about herself doesn't have the time for anybody else and mm-hmm. she's always all now all of a sudden she's like oh i love this and no she should be like who are you get to get away from me I, I don't know you're you're a peasant to He's me just so enchanting i mean i guess it's that costume Sometimes, you know, when a man is a good dancer, you imagine that... Well, that's that what they said. Back, I remember in college, things. you could tell a lot about the man in bed if he's a good dancer. Just saying. If he can dance well, he fucks well, apparently. Maybe she knows something that, you know, we all know. Hmm. Hmm. I'm saying. Okay. So I can't... They... Unfortunately, I don't picture Chris much of a dancer. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> so sorry for you. I, no, I, not, I love you, Chris. <laughs> I will not make comments. <laughs> Personal. Let's get back to the Let's story here. Um, He's a good dancer. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Chris. Um, so anyway, Carla's like, she's so straight around. She's like, I must see that face behind the mask and yeah, blah, blah, blah. She's intrigued. So Phantom takes her away to like a hallway or like behind a corner or somewhere. To a, super some, romantic to fuck in a corner. <laughs> yeah, a corner, an alcove somewhere. And she asks him, what will I think when I see your face? To which he says, you'll just you'll die, just die. Another bitch. One. There's another one. <laughs> and with that, he takes off his skull mask. She screams, but he covers her mouth. Um, we jump to the inspector talking with the rat catcher, who for some reason is dressed up <laughs> and at the ball, which to me would never fucking happen. <laughs> that rat catcher would not be allowed anywhere near that ball right he has now. He a rat mask on and he's himself and yep. he's just like at the buffet table like filling his pockets. Like he's suddenly <laughs> supposed to be the comic relief character or something? I think what? So. Um, and why? And why? This bothered me because like obviously the inspector can, you know, pinpoint the riffraff at the party. Right. But like why would he think or know that the rat catcher would exactly. know anything that has to... Oh, 100% he's, agree. He's hanging out, and then the rat catcher goes, the one you're looking for has already come and gone, or like something like that. And I'm like, why would you give it up to the... Yeah. Why, you <laughs> like, why, are you, why are you talking to the popo? Why are you doing that? Because then they have a whole conversation. Just because you're a rat catcher doesn't mean you have to be a rat, you dirty yeah. snitch. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe that's his persona. <laughs> maybe that's just it. <laughs> he's... But even later, he's like, I'll never tell. He, the Phantom pays me too well yeah, to talk. Like, but you just did you. talk, bitch. Yes. You just did. I'd never tell you, even though I kind of did. Yeah. I kind of tell you some more. And then the inspector's like, well, I'll pay more. And then he grabs him by the scruff, and then they, like, skedaddle. Yeah, yeah, they're out. So, um, um, so yeah, he tells the inspector that the Phantom pays him. Oh, he just said that. Um. Uh, but he's like, you're going to show us your phantom's lair and you're, I'm going to make you show us. And so meanwhile, uh, one of the caterers, I guess, or the chefs or somebody, I don't know, brings out this big old pot of the soup for tonight's soup. They bring out the dinner. So they wheel out all of the dinner yeah. and they like start taking off the, the lids, the everything. lids from the plates and yeah. everything. And this giant pot of soup. He's like, I like this part. Tonight's soup is blah, 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 blah. And as he stirs it up and he scoops it with his giant ladle, he scoops up Carlotta's head <laughs> in his ladle. The crowd screams and gasps and chaos breaks out as everyone starts to run for the doors. Uh, um, I love that. I don't know. I really like that. Like, <laughs> I, I was sad that we couldn't see Carlotta's death. Yeah. But I really like that they put her head in the pot. It was, it was funny. And I think – and, like, it wasn't a bad head. I mean – No, it, it, it looked fine. It looked fine. Yeah. <laughs> um so <laughs> it's just funny. 
I just found it improbable that he'd actually be able to balance that head on the ladle. Like, how would you scoop that? That thing would just pop right off. You would pull that thing up. And then hold it up there for so He holds it, like, he displays hold it. it. He's like, He's like oh. ah. Most people hold it up, like, ah, and drop it. No, he, like, holds it and looks like, oh. Yeah, you see a lot of, like, the juices <laughs> coming off of it. It's pretty And wouldn't yeah, that soup just good. be blood red <laughs> with a severed head in it? I like, this when they pull the lid off? I liked it. Um, so... Uh, in the, uh, in the chaos of the crowd screaming and fleeing, um, Phantom Freddy grabs CD, takes her away. Yes. Generic Dick, the inspector, the inspector's partner, and, uh, I'll make the rat catcher at this point, lead them down to, uh, Phantom Freddy's lair. Which, by the way, they're in, like, a prison type of a setting. Like, they keep showing this with, like, bars and, like, it's, like, prison. Why is there a prison? Yeah. Underneath... The Opera House. You know why? Because they use the scenes from Pirates for Penzance. <laughs> and there's a prison in there. Like, I was like, these like bad opera critics, they just throw them in there. The opera critics. What the hell? <laughs> Where are we here? What is this set you guys have us on? Where? Like, it's just... I love the idea of just a random crank down there with like a banging like a little cup on the bar. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Fauna, please, Fauna, please, I won't write another bad word. Not another word. Oh, it's weird. But yeah, so now the Rat King, the Rat King, the Rat King. I might as well. Sorry, that's a different. That's a different one. Uh, he he's down there and he's like showing them how to get down into the deeper layer, yes. the catacombs of the. And in his lair, Phantom Freddy tells CD that she can never leave here. That this is, you know, you're here forever now. Yeah, you're never, you're never leaving. And then we just get this dramatic shot for some reason of Phantom Freddy just running through the sewers and like, bat- <laughs> like it's like Batman. His cape's billowing in the wind like Batman does. He's running through the water of his sewers like shut, <laughs> shut. And like this is weird. Slow motion and <laughs> yeah. backlit. That's good. Um, the rat catcher at this so point dramatic. leaves the group. Which is weird because yeah. they're like, you're going to show us where he is. And Cat like, uh, I'm going to go catch some rats so you guys learn. They just let him go. Like, yeah. wait, what? Weren't you just like making him show you the way and you're just going to let him walk off now? I was going to say that. Like, I, I had to go back and rewind this part because I was like, wait a minute. You were all together. Then we cut to the weird drama of people running. And then we come back. And then the rat catcher is like, well, back to doing what I do. Yep, got to go catch them rats. <laughs> Is he, I, and the cop's like, all right, see ya. We don't need your help anymore. Even though he just said, you're going to show us, lead us to the lair. Not just abandon us in the middle of a maze. <laughs> let us let him go. Okay. How did he get <laughs> I, Okay. But before he goes, he's like, uh, just stay to the right. Keep going down and stay to the right. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll find it. <clears throat> so, um, CD at this point ends up running through the catacombs now. So she's like, Apparently she can leave the lair because she just she did. She's trying to find a way out, but I don't know that she's figured it out. I mean, no, she just bitch. like she's just running around. I just love the idea like you're here forever now. You can never leave, and like she just leaves. We also, <laughs> she just leaves. I'm out. We also need to talk about how many, which we'll talk about, I'm sure later. But like how many candles? So many are candles lit up in this lair. So many candles made me nervous for everyone running around. On if, it, if that place wasn't like a stone or brick wall, that's a, that's a fire hazard. There's <laughs> so many candles. Well, let's just, I'll just interject right here. Okay. One thing that they talk about in the, in the <laughs> behind the mask is what it's called. 
<laughs> when you read the uh, when you when you watch the extras, they talk about how the set was not up to code at all, <laughs> and how many dangerous things. And the most dangerous set that they had was that one. Because the catacombs, all that stone wall. It was like just foam or something. It was styrofoam. Styrofoam. So they were like, they imagine. The the screenwriter, he says, imagine a set carved entirely out of foam filled with candles. He's like, have you ever seen styrofoam burn? It's like a black death cloud. He's like, so we basically, he admits this. He's like, we put our actors in a death trap. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fucking 80s, man. And prayed for the best. So, oh my God. Like, okay. So, <laughs> so, so the stone, yeah, it, looks the foam. Real, it looks real good. Yeah, it does. Um, so CD ends up, like I said, she's running through the cagums, yelling out for a generic dick who's yelling out for her. It's just echoing, bouncing up all the walls. Mm-hmm. Phantom Freddy pops up in front of the rat catcher and confronts him. Rat catcher's like, you can't kill me, because if you do, who will lead the rats away? And uh, without me, they'll be crawling all over you and your little place down here. <laughs> and so Phantom Freddy aggressively says, then lead them to eternity, bitch. Then grabs the rat catcher and lifts him up off the ground. And this oh, bloke, this is, this is what? Crazy. Where did this come from? Picks him up off the ground and impales him on this giant, like, four-foot-long spike that's just sticking out of the wall for some reason. Where did it come from? What's the purpose of that? I don't... What is the structural purpose or integrity of this giant spike sitting at, sticking out of a stone wall in a sewer? It was... What purpose does that serve? It was such a Jason Voorhees move. <laughs> It was such a Jason move. I mean, he just like, and like, or Michael Myers does that too. Yeah. It's just like sticks to the wall. Uh, Why is that spike there? I don't know. What Ark Stewart architect says, you know what? This is a great place for a four foot spike to stick out the wall for no reason. We might need to hang a coat on it. We need to like hang somebody on it. Coat? I don't know. I don't know. It's so out of place. I don't get it. But it's there. (laughs) So uh, we go back to the group uh, that's being hunted by a PF. And what do you think the great inspector decides to do while wandering around the maze-like catacombs? Well, he decides it's best to split up. Oh, yeah. We should probably just split up. I was like, no, no. That's the worst thing to do in the maze of Kagoms. But they. Where there's a serial killer down there. Let's split up. Who lives there? I mean, that's his turf. It's his turf. He is a great inspector. Scotland Yard. And there's two bobbies. There's like a bobby or two with him. I bet he's the one at Scotland Yard that everybody hates. And he probably got this job because it's the phantom job. Like, oh, it's the phantom. Give it to, give it to your old Jack there. Give Jack and handle the Phantom. They're all laughing his ass off. Everybody else is laughing at for getting stuck on Phantom duty. <laughs> I gotta be at work on Phantom duty, eh? Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, but his idea to keep them all together is to draw a chalk line. Yep. Is to use chalk that they find somewhere and like draw lines. And he's like, and if. 
I don't remember, does he say paces or time? And he's like, if it's been this much and you can't find anything, you come right back here to this spot. Because that'll be so easy to come right back to the exact spot in a maze. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So now we get some cat and mouse shit between the inspector's partner and Phantom. Uh, I think his name's Morris. I think the Phantom is named Morris or something like that. Not the Phantom, but the partner. Um, so Morris, like a the white par- streak in his hair. Yeah, <laughs> he's got like the little rogue streak. Yeah, this little timer. Um, he's a terrible shot, by the way. Horrible shot. He is the worst. Uh, Morris is alone, looking for Phantom Freddy, who laughs, who's laughing, and they're echoing throughout the tunnels. <laughs> hmm. Um, hmm. Did you also did you also see the part where like obviously the Phantom is going to try to confuse them with the chalk, and so they focus in on this like chalk dragging. Yes, and I was like. It was it was like the little caterpillars from a labyrinth where they, the little brick comes out and it turns the arrow the other oh. way. <laughs> That's a, I was thinking more like the Freddy finger dra- drag, where like they mm, always mm-hmm. show Freddy like drag a finger. Yeah, because it shows him like dragging the chalk. I was like, mm, I've seen this before. Yeah. but he's so he's trying to confuse him and like the it's the other inspector. Morris or whatever he yeah. has a Bobby or two with yes, him. Yes, he has at least but one. They get separated because. Now the Phantom is trying to confuse him and get him, like, basically pull him deeper yes. into the lair. Yes. So He's shooting a gun, and again, he's a terrible <laughs> shot. Like, yeah, so Morris is alone, and he's hearing laughter, and he comes to a uh, door, so and, and, and you see, and you hear a Phantom, or somebody say, like, here I am, here I am, or something like that. And he opens the door and he sees a body standing there. So Morris just, before he even looks, just starts unloading his gun. Just, bam, 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 just unloads his gun uh, into this guy. Uh, but it turns out it was just the generic uniformed cop who's oh, now he dead. Sh- he shot his own Bobby. <laughs> yep. oh, um, no. After Morris finishes plugging the cop full of bullet holes, um, he looks at the body but sees that the cop's neck has been slashed open already yeah. and was just propped up there. So. I will say this is so this is so nightmare on Elm Street. There's so much whispering and like uh, and trying to draw people in and with the shadow and the backlighting. Yeah. But this is also kind of like the book because they talk in the book Eric is like a master of I want to um, talk trickery. about yeah, I want to talk about that. We'll That's what we're going to talk about. But I got to take a quick um I need to take a quick bathroom break. So we'll be right back. Huh? All right, we're back. And so, right before we, we took our break, uh, there's some Sarah's about to bring up, and I really want to talk about that. Um, because I think it's an important thing about the Phantom character that they really didn't cover or do anything with in this movie. And I think, it, for, especially for a horror movie, was a huge, huge missed opportunity. Yeah. So, in the book and the stage shows, but especially the book, the Phantom is not only a genius composer. He's also a genius architect and ma- uh, magician. Yeah. And he's and set- an engineer. He's and, like, yeah, engineer, yeah. 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 Um, and in the book, and you see it somewhat in, in the Android where they talk about, um, and in some of the movies you see a little bit of it, but he basically his whole layer and uh, where, all the way all this catacombs too was there, where it was just like booby trapped. Yeah. There are so many traps and misdirections and things there to stop people from getting there that, and they were deadly mm-hmm. that this, I was stunned when this movie did nothing with that. 
Like yeah. you're gonna do a horror movie. Like this is the perfect thing to make it more. Have the scary. Have the fall into traps. The death traps. Do something with that. And they didn't do anything. Yeah, it was definitely disappointing because because when you get to and I'm not gonna give away the end of like the whole the whole ending of the book, but like in the book when you get to the end, it gets very intense because yeah. This guy is a murderer. He he revels in torture that he has learned throughout his lifetime um, as this person. And so he loves torturing people. And his whole house is built with deadly booby traps. He has a whole torture chamber mm-hmm. in his home. That is, when they describe it, it's horrifying. Like, you're reading this book and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe they wrote this back then. So I truly expected... Especially during this, because yeah. they, they really did try to reference back to the book, I think. I was disappointed that they did not take the opportunity. That's another reason why I thought, I thought they didn't even yeah. read the book. Because well, like, there's no trap. Like, even in the Android Weber, in the mo- other movies, there's at least one trap. Raul falls through like, yeah. a fake staircase and gets trapped in this room or yeah. something with mirrors. And, and all this and which the mirrors in, in, the, the in the movie, in the most recent movie with Gerard Butler, that one, mm-hmm. that's kind of from the book. In the book, there's this huge scene that goes on for a while mm-hmm. where it's a trap where these two people are trapped in this mirrored room with like this giant mirrored tree. It looks like it's supposed to be look like the African desert. Yes. And when the sunlight comes in, it basically fries everything in the room because it's all mirrors and the heat just gets hotter and people basically kills them by burning them from the mirrors in the sunlight or like he, an ant underneath a magnifying glass or he gives you the I'm just gonna ruin it he gives you the chance to kill yourself like he purposefully sets up this space so that you will be tortured to the point where you kill yourself or you will die either way and so it is reading the intensity about it it's it's horrific and so I and and also knowing Robert England and how he has an attention to detail, they were trying to make this so theatrical, right? They were trying to create this character that was like the Renaissance man that is Eric, yeah, that is the ghost, and they that dropped is, the ball here. And he and in this movie, he is a spawn of Satan. Like he has made a deal with the devil. Like that's the worst thing you could. That's the most evil you can be. Yeah. Right, right. I made a deal with the devil. I am super evil. Where's your? Where's your? Where's your tricky stuff? This was the. This is where it should have all accumulated, yeah. or and, and and just met, and, and this should have been the big climatic horror scene. You should have had death. You could have included yeah. like five more uniform, generic uniform <laughs> cops, just why just to have fodder for all these different traps and death, tra- you know, death machines he had set up down there. And this was the perfect opportunity to do that and make this more of a horror, almost like I don't want to say saw, but you know what? But that type of like, like psycho. Uh, just like psychological, yeah, because like, and because that is terrifying, and that's like part of this. Like, you're he, trapped in these sewers, these catacombs, are claustrophobic. Yeah. Now there's these death traps with a psychopath running around, and they wasted this opportunity so much. Like, I was one well, of my biggest disappointments. Uh, I mean, I've been a lot of disappointments with the names and everything they changed, but this was like, yeah. how do you how do you overlook this in a horror when you're trying to make this a real horror movie and yeah. miss the one opportunity to really lay into the dark <laughs> dementedness of the Phantom? Right. I think that, that they definitely... I think... I mean, it could have just been what they had as, a far, as far as sets. I mean, obviously, we talked about that they styrofoamed, like, a whole set and, uh, and created this 
this whole fake room. Maybe they just blew their budget on, and they didn't have a they didn't have a real set. They couldn't like make that happen in 1989 practical effects. But like, I think you're right. They definitely missed an opportunity there to really hit home on like how much of a psycho psycho that uh, this character is supposed to be. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, the Bobby is dead. Yeah, the Bobby's dead. And Morris now, goes back to wandering around calling out for the inspector, yeah. and that's when Phantom Freddy drops <laughs> down from the ceiling. Again, like it's Batman, amazing. just drops down from the ceiling and traps Morris in a fucking fishing net. It's just a big net. He's like, ha gotcha. <laughs> he puts him in a net. Morris tries to fight back, but he just ends up getting stabbed and killed oh. by Freddy. No, no, that's not what happens. Freddy... <laughs> I just stabbed no, him. No, 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 no. Because this is almost my favorite kill. Spoiler. He drops down while, like, the guy is, like, flailing around in the Right, in, in the, the neck. Thing. Okay. And he, like, I feel like he says something, but I don't really know. And he pushes his hand into the deputy and pulls out what looks like a tiny gallbladder or, like, a little squishy ball. <laughs> How did I miss that? Right? Don't know, but I was. Maybe I just saw the hand go in. I just saw. Oh, he's just stabbing him, and I went. I looked away and started typing my notes again. He pulls it out, (laughs) and he like looks at it like, "Oh, look what I just did!" (laughs) But it's not like it's it's not like Temple of Doom, like Kalima, where he like pulls the heart out and the heart is still beating. I was like, "Is that what they were trying to do?" Like that. That came out in 1984. Maybe they were like, hey, oh, you know me. that scene in Indiana Jones where the guy, like the priest pulls we are, the I mean, he, he already has a bullwhip. I mean, might as well rip off Indiana Jones, too. But what he pulls out is like this weird little like squishy ball that you like throw around in the pool, you know? Like, But he's just like, oh. <laughs> like, it's so, like, I was like, oh, my God. He reached into his chest. And then he was like, ah, squeak, squeak, like a dog toy. <laughs> That's the theme of this whole movie. Could have been better. <laughs> but that was kill number nine for all of you that are keeping track out there. That was kill number was nine. Was that nine it already? Was nine. Okay. It was nine. I know. Can you believe I don't it? Because none I, of them really stand out. Yeah, I was like, yeah. nine? I thought there was like four. No. <laughs> Maybe. Um, oh, yeah. Well, three in the alleyway. That adds yeah. up. Yeah. So um, we go back to the inspector and generic dick. Uh, they find the dead body of the rat catcher who has now had his face skinned off. And I'm like, how the hell did Phantom Freddy have time I... to sk- kill the rat catcher, then skin the rat catcher, then go kill Morris? How is he taking the time to skin people right now? Well, he was covered in rats. So I took it as the, the rats, rats ate, him? ate him. Like I, At first like, I thought irony. that too, but it was just his face. Uh, maybe the rats And the rats were, were kind like, of crawling around on the, yeah. le- the brick ledge behind him uh, and on his head. But like his face was clearly skinned maybe the rats were really sad they're like our rat king yeah i know i think they're mourning their the death of their leader uh, revenge of the rats <laughs> yep um and that's where uh was it wilford Wil- wilbur what's it what's the fucking rat movie is that with a like wilbur or something like there was like the whole oh. movie about the guy who like rat leader oh and he's like yeah I was referring Wilfred, to the, Wilbur. Wil- I was referring Wil- to the ballet, uh, the Nutcracker. Oh, the Nutcracker! Well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just joking. Um, 
I'm so to get artistic here. We go to um, Phantom Freddy's back in his lair with mm-hmm. CD. He sits at the organ and says to CD, "This is either a wedding march or a funeral march. You decide." Yeah, or a requiem. Or a re- something like that. Uh, funeral requiem. Yeah, that's from the book. And he says, uh, and then he starts to play music. And that is clearly not no wedding march. That is dark and ominous. There's no. Um, anyway, well, I, I will say too in the book, this is a part where that gets like really like when he he plays this part of Don Juan triumphant, and they well, the way they describe it in the book is like it was like uh, like a satanic, you know, it was just like music that was satanic, and then it was like reaching the souls of the devil, and it's evil music that was like manic. And I bet he used tri- the devil's tritone. Maybe he did. <laughs> As the first recorded instance of using the devil's, devil's tritone. tritone. <laughs> <laughs> it's banned in all medieval Europe. <laughs> oh, that was way nerdy. That was <laughs> okay. Anyway, but well, it was also you know well I know it because that was a big part of a uh, the the old blood hook. The blood hook. Leroy Lukey. Uh, so anyway, um, Inspector and General Dick hear the music and they follow to the source and oh. they break down the door to the lair. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, they spend like a good five minutes like bashing yeah, they, they, this, they, pe- this, this they, door. They decide it's a smart idea in catacombs, in old ruined catacombs to break down a support pillar <laughs> to use as a battering ram. <laughs> and then they do this forever on the other. And then like when they break in, they're right on the other side of the door. And the Phantom looks genuinely surprised. I'm like, you didn't hear the knock. You're everywhere. And you didn't hear the knock, knock, knocking at the door. Like, what? <laughs> they weren't like, they were like bashing yeah. down the door. Like, oh, who's here? I'm f- he was just so enthralled in his music. But yet somehow he still had enough time to go hide in oh, the he, shadows. Oh, he's out then. He's out. He's armed with <laughs> his tiny little knife like he uses this it's the smallest knife it's not intimidating at all it's more like a little it's almost the size of like one of those knives you hide in like a belt buckle <laughs> it's so tiny <laughs> but he will carve your face yeah, off he will. with it um so dick finds cd goes to her but before he can get to her phantom leaps out grabs cd and holds a knife up to her Dick, who apparently has sharpshooter aim, oh. shoots Phantom Freddy's hand holding the knife. No, that's my sewing hand. Yeah. <laughs> that's my playing hand. Um, so he shoots the knife out of his hand, and this leads to a fight between the two of them. Oh, my God. CD tries to get involved, but she just gets tossed aside and hits her head on the yeah. stone wall and gets knocked unconscious. Of course. Um, excuse me. Pant- uh, Phantom Freddy pushes Dick into the inspector who falls off the ledge and rolls down some stairs <laughs> and apparently is knocked out too. Yeah, what? Um, then Phantom PF, he, he pushes Dick up against a pillar that's lined like all these lit candles. <laughs> a styrofoam wall yeah. lit and, with candles. <laughs> it's supposed to be like, I guess, a, a stalagmite or something, but it's just lined with candles. And he pushes them against it. And the candles, his the back of his jacket coat catches on fire. So his fl- clothes are on fire. P.F. now pulls like this sharp candle holder out from the stone. Is that what it was? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. It, it's weird because it. I don't know what the weapon so it's is. It's like supposed to be a candle holder. Okay. He pulls it out from the stone like fucking Excalibur or something. <laughs> and 
Um, this thing again, it literally looks more like a small sword than a candle holder because it's it's like three feet long or at least two feet long, really sharp point. But on top of the blade, I guess you call it, there's a, a flat round disc that holds the candle. <laughs> so it's this weird looking thing. I um, just focused on the fire. Yeah, and um, so he uses he stabs. Stabs in the generic Dick's ribs, just right into the ribs. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, Dick is engulfed in flames. <laughs> Stuntman comes in. Yeah, Stuntman. And PF tosses him off the ledge on fire. <laughs> he like just does like a belly flop. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, so Richard is dead? dead? I mean, maybe not. I mean,. I think are these Game of Thrones rules? Like, I'm if you don't he's see dead. somebody actually die, then they're not dead. I assume, yeah, because that's the last you died. see him. You never see him again. No. So I assumed he was dead. Um. So um. Well, let's see. Uh, uh. PF then turns his attention to CD. CD starts knocking over all these large candelabras, <laughs> setting the lair on fire. Um. PF tells her that. Uh, she will never leave here, and only love and music are forever. Um, CD pulls out Dick's gun all of a sudden. <laughs> like, where did she get that? But she's got it. That was amazing. Pulls out the gun and shoots Phantom Freddy. Phantom Freddy grabs her and starts to pull her towards him. She is also a very good shot and shoots him again in the hand and the arm. Something like, like that. And <laughs> so... Holy shit. Uh, he, he's pulling her towards him. At this point, the inspector comes to on the floor below. He raises his gun, shoots Phantom Freddy three times. Phantom Freddy loses his grip on CD. And when he does, the ring just, just magically comes right off her finger. Thank goodness. And now it goes into slow motion <laughs> as CD screams... And charges another large candelabra, knocking it over into a mirror, which shatters. And this made me scratch my head. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, huh? Wait, why? Like, okay, in the heat of the moment, pun intended, because everything's on fire. Why would you use the candelabra to shatter a mirror instead of pushing it over on top of Phantom doesn't she setting do, him on fire? Doesn't she do more than one? <laughs> Yeah, but she never knocks. Okay, so originally I thought she was not before he shoots. Before she gets pulls out the gun and shoots him, There's she's some... knocking candelabras over, just ran like okay. knock over, knock over, and it's starting to catch things on fire. But this one, after Inspector shoots Phantom, she gets one this big dramatic like, yes. and she pushes it into a mirror to shatter the mirror for no reason. Except it would make more sense to push it on top of the Phantom. To set him on fire after he's been shot. Yeah. And so I'm like, why would she? That makes no sense. That's stupid. Although she did get burned terribly during that scene, according to yes, <laughs> according to her. I do actually do have that one. Um. <laughs> so um, I yeah. I feel it's illogical. So anyway, phantoms. Well, how are Freddy, they gonna get? How are they gonna get back? I mean, how is she gonna get back through like the labyrinth if she doesn't like, you know, shatter some glass? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Because, yeah, mirrors, know. yeah. Um, Tell me, 1980s, why? So, Phantom Freddy screams out, Christine! As the fires engulf him. And now we jump way back to present day, 1989, New York. 
<laughs> Christine wakes up back up wakes back up on the stage that she in the audition mm-hmm. as a crowd of people stand over her. One of the people that comes up is Robert England. Huh. Who play is like it was like the play's author or Mr. producer or something. He's, he's the director. No, he's, I thought the director was the one doing the auditions. Oh, okay. He's Mr. Foster. Foster. He's like, uh, I'm okay. Mr. Foster. Fost? <laughs> yeah, Foster. Foster. Yeah, uh-huh. Gee. And they have this whole real subtle there. He <laughs> like leans over her. Like she sang like four bars of this music. Yeah. And he leans over her and she he's like my star and she's like what because i have a concussion <laughs> yeah. and he's like he's like you've got the part my dear yeah and she's like uh, maybe uh, i need to go to a hospital yeah first. cool <laughs> <laughs> could you call 911 i've been out for a long time yeah apparently 100 years or something <laughs> um he tells yeah she he tells you that she's going to be the star of the show blah 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 um, then Robert England just invites Christine over to his place. That's raping. <laughs> so creepy and rapey. Okay, for ladies. For celebratory drinks, which she accepts. Yes. <laughs> ladies, I'm so sorry. If you are going out for the part in any play, movie, etc., and the director gives you the part pretty quickly and then invites you immediately to his home, something. That's a red flag. The that casting is couch red, is a real thing, that's ladies. That's a red flag. Casting couches are bad. Yeah. I was like, why is she going to this man? So now we go from Family Albert to American Psycho. Yes. <laughs> this which, is... <laughs> which came out in 1991. So that was not that was not time yet. But it kind of felt his house, his apartment was very, very American, American Psycho. Psycho. Yes. There's a lot of blue neon. It's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of neon. A lot of it. What, what, what color neon? I think it was blue. I'm blue. We had to have one of those. I mean, it was 1989. So they're at his apartment. So rapey. She's at the American Psycho apartment. (laughs) And after their drinks, he tells her he's got to go to some party. And he's going to take her with with him to meet a bunch of, like, big wig producers or A-listers of all these big wigs and all this shit. But first, he excuses excuse me, I have to go get ready. Go freshen up. So he leaves. He goes upstairs. While she, he's gone, just like the nosy bitch that all, you know, just like girls, <laughs> all, can't, just nosy bitches. Curious George. She starts Curious poking around, cat, starts bitch. searching through his shit of, course. In the, of a swanky pad. Well, and he has like a lot of electronics. He has like a whole. He's got a recording studio. Recording it, studio. It, for in the like, 80s, it would have been very impressive. Like the, there's yeah. the old like old computers. Oh, God. The old, the old Apple computers. And it's like all these keyboards. There's like oh. five keyboards. <laughs> and like synthesizers. And, you know. Yeah, he's got this big, you know, dope decked out uh, recording studio. Floppy disk. Yes. <laughs> We're coming to that. <laughs> so while she's poking around, we cut to Robert England up in his in the bedroom or whatever, getting ready. And he checks himself out in the mirror and he notices he has a bump on his cheek. Oh, damn. And he's like, ah, oh, damn it. And so he opens this, there's this large glass tank in front of him. And it's kind of foggy, like frosted glass. You can't really see into it. He opens it up and inside are three <laughs> Robert England faces, like sitting on this like plastic tube or something like that, you know, on display. Um, he pulls out a new face and picks up some surgical tools that are in the case as well. Oh yeah. They're all laid out over like the blue light as well. It is so- <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so much blue light. <laughs> Sorry, guys. For real, it's what happens. Um. So meanwhile, CD's downstairs poking around his recordings area and finds a copy of Don Juan Triumphant <gasps> in his printer. So like, he printed out the sheet music to it. <laughs> He's using some Sibelius. Along with the old three and a half floppy disk labeled <laughs> Don Juan Triumphant. <laughs> I hope he backed that up because in college I seriously oh. lost one of my research papers. And I I was in college a long time ago. It's tra- It traumatized me. Yeah. Like you, you always had to back There was no cloud back then, back, man. No, there was no cloud. You better, you better have some fucking three and a half floppies, some zip drives. <laughs> back that shit up. Yep. <laughs> back it straight up to your drive. You lose it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so she so she, she pulls out the disc, the Fleetwood floppy, and she puts it into the computer, and it all instantly starts up magic. And the screen reads Don <laughs> Ryan Don Juan Triumphant run sequence, and then the sheet music comes off the screen, and the music just begins to play. Mm-hmm. And um, England comes down the stairs behind her, uh, and we see Christine's like frantically trying to. Like, Push all these buttons, trying to turn it off. Like, oh no, he's gonna know I was poking around. <laughs> um, uh, he walks up to her, asking how she likes it, um, and uh, and says, "Love and music are forever." Uh... To which she replies, "You're him, aren't you?" England places his hand on the sides of her head and tells her that she made all this possible, and then kisses her. Uh... He then says, now it's a matter what you choose, love or music. CD reaches up and pets his head, pulls him in for a kiss, then rips off his face <laughs> to reveal the Freddy Krueger face. It's a, but it's like, it's burned now. And do you know that like once he does this, his voice changes yeah. too? Is there like a voice changer? Apparently that, like, his voice changes too. Now it sounds like his vocal cords were totally burned in a fire. But like, as long as he's wearing the fake skin, his vocal cords are fine. He sounds smooth. Yeah, this is so funny. She, he's like, did you expect someone else? I'm pretty sure she yeah, did. I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> 100%, yes. Yeah. Uh... But at the same time, like, if she, why would she just rip his face off if she didn't expect it to be? I think she, then she knew. She knew that it was a fake face. Yeah. (laughs) Let our Um, abusive relationship live on forever. (laughs) Not forever. And she grabs it off. England screams in pain, tells her that he's waited a very long time for her to come back to him and that they had a deal, a deal forever. No, not forever. CD grabs this weird thing that looks like a golden ice pick or I'm something. Not sure. I don't know what the fuck this is. Yells, not forever, and then stabs <laughs> England in the ribs. He stumbles back, slides down the wall. CD quickly gathers up all the sheet music to which England mutters out, not my music. Oh, and the floppy disk. And the floppy. And she runs out of the loft into the streets, and he yells, no, wait, you have to cure me of my dysentery first. <laughs> We had something <laughs> down in the catacombs. <laughs> so she runs out into the streets where she rips up the sheet music and drops it down a sewer drain. And as she rips it up, we hear England <laughs> screaming in the office. <laughs> no, bitch. Yeah, she doesn't rip it up very good either. She, just like she, folds it in, it. she folds it in half one time, rips it once, and drops it down the sewer. <laughs> And then she basically like takes the floppy, looks at it, and just drops it down too. Yeah. And I was like, "You couldn't stomp on that!" Like, 
Maybe just, pull the you know pull the, the little the sliding metal thing back just, and they scratch on the film then the little disc part in there. Use a boot. <laughs> I don't, like you just. I mean, obviously you want to make sure this guy just lived like a few centuries, like to yeah. come find you in 1989. Like it's time to yeah. maybe really destroy it. I don't. So we cut back to a close-up of England's face as he dies. <laughs> That's amazing. Now we cut to what I assume is sometime later, but it doesn't say like three months later or two weeks later. For all I know, it's sometime later, or it could be the same night and she's just walking home. That's, we yeah. don't know. It's like she was just like, I'm dropping this down the sewer. It's over and I'm walking back to the theater now. Or I'm walking like, back to my, you know, apartment. efficiency apartment or Juilliard Probably. or whatever. Yeah. And, um, so she's just walking down the streets of New York, and she stops to admire this street musician who's playing a violin, but we never see his face. He's wearing a trench coat and, like, a fedora on that the shadow cast over his face. And um, she tips him for his music, and she keeps walking. As she walks away, the violin player, like, steps out onto the sidewalk, turns to face her, and he starts playing Don Juan Triumphant. <laughs> CD stops, turns to look at him. As he stands there, they're facing each other. He's playing the Don Juan. They're looking at each other. And then she's like, she takes a few breaths and just turns and walks away down the street. Blackout, row credits. That's the fucking movie. Oh, boy. She's an independent woman who's married to the music. First, um, but before I even get to my rants about the... Um, <laughs> Giddy up the uh, the movie itself Thank and its lack warning. of connection to the fan of the opera all that. Um, I don't get what the fuck this ending's supposed to be. Yeah. Um. So did yeah. she legitimately like time travel? Like, did she quantum leap and into Christine's past body and relive this, or was it a fever dream when she was unconscious from with a concussion? And if it was, why the fuck did she know that Robert England was the fucking phantom in 1989? Like, this makes no no sense. It doesn't. At all. And it it angers me so much. I mean, does the labyrinth make sense? Probably more than this. But But labyrinth is at least supposed to be a fantasy. That's intentionally a fantasy movie. It's not necessarily supposed to make sense. I get This was more supposed to be more realistic, more, it's the phantom. It's it wasn't set up as a fantasy movie, it, right. you know, and I don't mm, like why if she's Christine Day in New York, why all of a sudden she gets transported back in time to be Christine Day in London, and then <laughs> then we she we don't even know how like she shatters a mirror in his lair and wakes up back in 1989 where the Phantom is still now alive and. Looks damn good, you know, he comparatively. And she somehow remembers that or remembers her dream. And like, there's no, I don't understand how this is supposed to work. And it's making my brain hurt trying to figure this out. I think that Christine needs to share some of the drugs that she was yes, on. Yes, so I that think that's 100% it. What the hell? I mean, I don't. I think I, she's tripping on some kind of like LSD acid shit and she just assaulted an innocent producer <laughs> who was trying to give her a break and she saw this hallucination in her drug in her drug dreams and left him there and he's like no not my music because I just wrote that 
And he wasn't the phantom. She's just hallucinating some LSD drug trip, some bag <laughs> shrooms or something. Well, I'll tell you, it's really hard when you're a Juilliard uh, student, like being a Juilliard student, it's a lot of pressure. And yeah. so, you know, pressure got to her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's no. There's, there's no. no exp- it's, you cannot. You cannot logic your way out of a movie like this. You just can't. No. Robert England is in it. They did not focus on that. They just focused on. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> That's my next thing. Is like I'm looking. Okay, we compare the Andrew Lloyd Webber movie or stage show, which just came out, so we can kind of write that off. Saying yeah, okay, let, if, we shouldn't even compare it to Andrew Lloyd yeah, Webber because but, again, they tried to ignore. But let's that take it completely. just the, all the like the Ron Chaney Phantom or the other all the other like ten dozens of Phantoms that have come out by this time. It didn't really compare with that either. And you say they try to compare with the book, but when I remember the book. I think they failed in that too. They got rid of characters. They mushed other characters together. They changed so much. Like, I don't even know what they were going for anymore. I think they really, honestly, especially after like listening to all the interviews, like the post interviews, I think they really, really loved the book and were trying to pay homage to the book. But I think that they were also trying to create this horror movie. And when they included Robert England into it, Robert England, I'm going to say something controversial, but I think he's kind of a stuffed bag, guys. Like, he is so full of him fucking self. Like, he feels like he is, like, the Shakespearean actor of horror. Yeah, I can see. And, like, look at Freddy Five. I mean, come on, dude. (laughs) Like, he's like, oh, just got off Freddy Four. Like, he had just finished Freddy Four. He was like looking to like chill, and so his he, ego. He, I think his he was his so full of himself because Freddie so, was so popular in the eighties. Yes, and so and like when you listen to him talk, he really feels like he was trying to create. He this gave him this like. Uh, He's the guy who loves the smell of his own farts. He does. He really, really does. That's and uh, so I think that's what it was. It was this like trying to recreate a portion of this book, which I think was. I think in a lot of ways, I can see a lot of similarities to the book. I really can. I really, really well, can. I, maybe, except if I had a chance to reread the book before this, maybe I would draw yeah. more conclusions. But I'm just, because like I, it's probably been close to 10 years since I read the book. Yeah. And so it's there's close, there's some moments I, vague, I really, really remember. And there's other parts like, I, eh, it's been a while. I don't know. But this is, they talk, like, this is why I think, and I can, I was going to talk about this in my final thoughts. We can do, okay, we can move on, we can do that. But I mean, like, but I think this is why this movie did not do that well, because they failed to capture horror fans, Mm -hmm. because they had to cut some stuff out. They had to cut some really good gore and practical effects, they had to cut it out. And so, it was too pretty and theatrical and artistic for real horror fans, but it was too... Horry horror for and the gory for the for, for the phantom fans people who, that that could make that that phantom fan that wanted to make that connection to that original yeah, story for the more general public exactly exactly and so they they that's why they were going to set this book up to, or this book <laughs> this movie up. oh we're going to talk about that yes. okay yeah, they were going to set that. it up yeah so um all right so yeah let's just we'll move on right now let's move on to our favorite kills don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. Um, all right, Sarah, you kind of gave us a little spoiler earlier, but uh, what's uh, what's your favorite kill? Okay, so my when okay, I don't think this counts. None of my kill, my favorite counts, my favorite kills actually count. But um, when I when I went back and when you do watch the behind the scenes, they show images of the beheading. 
so the three guys in the alley yeah. where we saw the guy that was like the henchman and he was like, oh, something stinks. But it was really like his reaction to the beheading. They show that in and it is so good. It is so good. And they had to cut that out for ratings. Mm-hmm. That would have been my absolute favorite kill because how they it's all practical. It's all practical effect. Like they show this beheading and then he takes the head off and looks at it. And then bowls it <laughs> like it's it is definitely the penultimate kill. I feel like in the whole movie. Now we didn't get to see that though. Right, it was cut. We got to so. see stinky face, and that's disappointing. So I can't really say that. So I'm gonna actually say that my favorite kill, which I guess wasn't a kill because he came back later and was like, "Help me." <laughs> Was when Joseph got gutted, the very first kill in the beginning, only because he got gutted. It was real fast. It was hard. Uh, and then the phantoms, you know, he got he took a facial. He took full blood facial. You see the blood spray. You got to see the cut. Um, I really like that. And he looked like he told, he had total O face. Like, oh, like he got hit in the face. So I would say that first one is probably my favorite, but I wish they could have shown more of uh, of what they had to cut out. Yeah, it sounds like this movie suffered from Friday the 13th Part 7 um, yeah. issues. Like, yeah. you just, they had to cut all the good stuff out, yeah. and it just sucks. So it definitely was not horror enough. Horror. Yeah. Horror. Um, <laughs> there was there a were horror. Yeah. There, were, there were horrors. There were horrors. Yeah, I, I had a hard time coming with a favorite kill for this because, like, I didn't really care for any of them, really. And um, they were off screen. Yeah. Like, like the best reveal, I think, was Carlotta. Agreed. The head in the soup was pretty good. But you don't, you don't see the kill. So that's problematic. So I can't say it's my favorite kill because you don't see it. It's the best reveal. So I think I'm going to have to go with you and probably say Joseph when he gets ranked, yanked up by the flyweights and just gets gutted mid, you know, as he's yanked up the rope. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's just... Yeah, the ones in the alley, that the behavior in the alley would be good. But again, you don't really see it. You just see the after effect. Um, so I guess I have to go with Joseph, and that's that's sad. Uh, I feel like they had a super opportunity, too, when, uh, when that deputy, when the partner was killed. And, I mean, they did a chest grab. He, like, reached into that guy's chest and took it out. And... And if what he took out would have looked like an actual human organ and not like a gallbladder, I guess a gallbladder, but like, it's not like, oh, thanks. I was having some, you know, pancreatitis. Oh, he worked out his appendix. Thanks. 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 I needed that. I had appendicitis. Woo. I feel good. I might make it. I'm not dead yet. Like, so I feel like they really missed a super opportunity there too, to like make that look really good. It was just anticlimactic. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Let's move on to the odds and ends. Just when you thought it was over, here comes the odds and ends. All right, ratings. I'll try to get through these as quickly as I can. So ratings, IMDb, 5.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has a 33% on the official thermometer uh, with a 54% audience score. Um, Amazon, well, Amazon is always, you know, Amazon, and it has a 4 4.6 out of 5 on Amazon. Um, oh, I'm getting some stack feedback oh, in my headphones. Cool. Hopefully it's not coming out in the recording. I was going to say, maybe it's my... Um, trying to turn all my stuff. And so... Oh, that's better. Yeah, it was me. Okay. Um, Sorry, guys. So plot Technology. keywords. There were 268 plot keywords for this movie. Oh, my God. Um, 
some interesting ones that I've never really seen before. Probably not panties. <laughs> um, woman wrapped in towel. <laughs> was there? Well, Carlotta was. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Um, five word title for those people who are really keen or your OCD people who have to have movies with five mm-hmm, words in them. Mm-hmm. Um, heart ripped out. So I guess that was supposed to be his heart then. That was weak. Um, <laughs> beer. Good old beer. <laughs> I guess you see a waitress carrying some beers. And the muggers are drinking beers. But yeah. yeah. Um, and these next ones I'm going to, I'm sending out the bullshit alert, a bullshit alert on. Um, because the next one is Grindhouse film. No. Nope. There's nothing Grindhouse about this. No. And one of our favorites, which I still know what the fuck it means and why it's associated with this movie. But boo! 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 Psychotronic film. <laughs> what? Why? How? I don't know. I don't get it. But because, it's it's listen there. It's because of the blue lightning and, this, <laughs> and the blue neon and. Synthesizers. <laughs> That's why. That somebody's going around like, oh, is there blue neon in this? Oh, psychotronic. <laughs> psychotronic. <laughs> like what? <coughs> okay. Thank you, psychotronic lover. Um, trivia. Here's some trivia things that you probably know most of these from the uh, uh, bonus feature I didn't get to watch, but here's some. So you were about to allude, you were alluding to this just a moment ago. Um, there was a sequel planned for this yeah. titled Phantom of the Opera 2 terror in manhattan it was planned but never made according to a 1991 article in fangora magazine the screenplay was rewritten into the 1992 dance macabre which also starred robert england yeah but that is actually a little that pays more homage when you were when you were complaining about (laughs) (laughs) because i think that that is staged in paris i think that they they do go back to the paris but it's it's like the same story but it says terror in manhattan but did did they follow script terror manhattan but takes place in paris well and they make it all about the ballet (laughs) okay european ballet um speaking of one thing i just wanted to comment on because you mentioned this like if they're trying to pay homage to the book Mm -hmm. i'm saying this now instead of my final thoughts this is what i remember if that's what they wanted to do then just do it. Just set the whole movie in the 1800s timeline, whenever the, the actual 1885 or 1850 or whatever it was. Just set the movie. Just get rid of the New York bullshit. Because oh. it made this music so much more confusing with the ending. Yeah. You don't need it. That shit was not in the book, by the way. There's no time traveling New York shit in the book. Just open it in Paris or in London, yeah. just in that time period, and just have the whole movie that. You don't need... The whole drug-induced hallucination, fever dream, or whatever the fuck it is, yeah. flashback. That makes it worse and more confusing. Just set the whole movie in the 1800s, and it would have been probably better. It would have been way better. At least more, co- really co- more co- co- cohesive and and you'd understand it a bit more. Marshall, you want to write a movie? Because I feel like... <laughs> I feel like with, with today's... Um, just with today's horror and just... I feel like, yeah, if... Like, you can make it a real period piece, but doing a horror film set in the 1800s. You could, and like, people don't do that. Could, you know, and if, like, somebody really wanted to pay homage to the book, then I feel like that's, you could absolutely do that. I feel like that's not what happened. I feel like the because of the people that were involved, the director, Robert England, who had a huge 
Yeah. Huge. I mean, huge. Like, hey, let's modernize this. Let's make this jazzy and hip for the new crowd. Let's send New York and blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean. No. But I mean, think about, think again, that's why I alluded back to like, think about the movies that were out at this time and the way Hollywood was just producing movies and especially horror movies at that time. Everything fit a mold. They were trying to like, and and they had to work around. Well, it was the era of the slasher. I mean, Right. Yeah. But they also had to work around a lot of, um. Uh, critics and a lot of ratings so they it's like they couldn't push it too far they also wanted to make a lot of money Dan you Cisco and Ebert (laughs) yeah so they were trying to figure out how to create something that was like palatable for people but still had that horror yeah you gotta just pick a lane they, and they admit they they did not, and that's that was probably the demise of the whole movie. So uh, you also mentioned this earlier when we were talking about, it, but during the fire scene in the lair, um, hot wax fell on Joel Schuling Christine yeah. and burned her arm and shoulder. But despite this incident, director Dwight Little convinced her to do it the do it two more times yeah. in the fire. <laughs> yeah, she says that she's like um, that scene, and you can see it too when she pushes the candle opera over. There, there have been candles that have been burning in there for hours, and so when she pushes it over, you see the hot wax. It's a pretty good shot, actually. They do slow motion it, <laughs> like many things, but uh, you see the hot wax like flying down, and and she, her reaction is great because she's being scalded, <laughs> and she's basically like, and then they were like, do it again. So everyone that seemed to be involved in this movie really hated those scenes, like with the fire. They were terrified. Um, <laughs> styrofoam, yeah, the black yeah. cloud. Yeah. So, and also you mentioned this time, but it was uh, originally this was going to be X, ended up being an X rating by the yeah. MPAA due to yeah. the graphic violence, but then they cut it out to get it down to an R. Seriously, watching like that. I think watching the behind the scenes make a bit made a big difference for me in how I felt about this movie because they show, you know, screen grabs and images from the things they had to cut out. Yeah. Man. Damn it. Okay. Um now <laughs> maybe, I don't know if this was in their bonus feature that you watched too, but um this is the first version of Family Opera to not feature the fall the famous falling chandelier. Oh, the I chandelier didn't... scene was originally written in the first script by Jerry O'Hara. Uh, but one of the reasons why uh, this was cut out is that uh, uh, why this is the only fan to not include the class scene is because uh, Menahem Golan, mm-hmm. you know who the name is, the CEO of 21st Century Film Corporation, who at the time had just resigned from the Canyon, Canyon Group um, in after the company's collapse, didn't have enough money to pay yeah. for the expensive chandelier to fall and then, do, uh, then to redo the scene take after take. Uh, and then Duke Sandifer then was hired to rewrite the script without the chandelier scene. That would have been cool, though. Yeah, I guess I, cool. I, I was I knew that was coming up, so I didn't want to bring it. But I was like, that's like, again, how do you fan the opera without the iconic falling chandelier? Right. And and like that is a very um, horrific scene in the book too. Like they describe the people dying yeah. in the audience, like in detail, and it's. For for being written back in like you know the 19th century or whenever the book was actually originally written, that's pretty damn dark. Yeah. So I think a lot of things actually too were cut, like you said, because of budgetary 
reason. Yeah. Um, and this unfortunate. Is, this makes sense now because you said this several times in the uh, what we're talking. About. But there's a disclaimer at the end of credits that reads: "This motion picture is not associated with any yeah. current or prior stage play yeah. or motion picture of the same title." Yeah. So again, they're trying to distance themselves from the Andrew Lloyd Webber thing. Absolutely. Um, was originally set to be released through the Canon Group and to be directed by John Ho or Hugh, uh, but the film was uh, John pa- Hugh was gonna. <laughs> I guess. Oh my. John H O U G H. John Hugh. Uh, but the film was passed on to the Menahan Menahan Golan's uh, newly started studio, 21st Century Film Corporation, after the Canning Group filed bankruptcy, and then Hugh was replaced with Dwight Little. Mm. Um, Robert England has said that the film was their homage to old Hammer horror films, yeah. which you spoke of. Uh, speaking of England, this came out the same year as Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Master. Yeah. Um, and as this is dated, but as of 2007... The number of film adaptations of Gaston LaRoe's novels amount to 40, yeah. including short films, cartoons, and television films. So 40 different 40. versions of Family Opera exist as of 2007. And there have been, I've seen, I mean, I remember seeing really horrible renditions of this. Or oh, there are like some really bad it, ones. Just really, really yeah. bad ones. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So um, that's, that's really all I got for... Um, for this, but so that's but we do get to play the budget game. They spent how much? The budget game. Oh man, I don't even know the budget. I know. Well, I'm here's so the thing. Excited. I don't have the actual budget. Oh, but instead of the budget, you're gonna do guess the opening weekend and guess the gross. So I don't have a budget. Okay. okay. So opening weekend was November fifth, nineteen eighty nine. How much money do you think it made in that weekend? Okay, so I am normally not prepared for this. I prepared. <laughs> I thought about this at length. Okay. I think... So I was going to say that I think the budget for this movie was around $1.5 million, which we cannot... We don't know. We don't, can't but I think I it know. was worth... Based on like all of the things that we learned about how they had to reuse sets, and then but they, they had to... And they didn't have the money for the chandelier no. scene, apparently. And they had to fly people in to... I, I'm going to say, though, because of practical effects and Robert England and the fact that they had so many extras, I'm going to say 1.5 is the budget. So you said box office and then gross. Opening, opening weekend. Opening weekend. I'm going to say opening weekend because Robert England is such a pull. I'm going to say two... Two million dollars opening weekend, and I'm gonna double it. Two million for opening weekend. I'm okay. gonna okay. And then, um, well, let's just start there. Okay, let's go there. Okay. So, opening weekend, your guess was two million dollars. Yes. All right, let's see if she's right or wrong. You have chosen wise. <gasps> that is probably the closest guess we've ever had without being exactly on. Oh. Opening weekend was two million fifty thousand dollars. Oh my god! Congratulations! That was one. That's one of the all-time best guesses we've ever had. That never happens to me. I no, really, I really <laughs> tried to think very hard about this, and I also tried to ignore uh, things. Like I tried to not go below like synopsis and things when I was researching this movie. Um, okay, okay, so, so now so I have to do gross. Now gross in U.S. and Canada. <sighs> okay, so that was the. But then the movie didn't do that great after. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go 4 million, but I think that that's over. 
Four million total gross. Let's see again. What did she do? You have chosen wise. Oh my God! Seriously, <laughs> two for two. This is even closer. You Where? guessed four million. I did. Total gross was three million nine hundred fifty-three thousand seven hundred forty-five. <laughs> Where's my Where's my fan? Congratulations! Fanta? Where's my Juilliard? Where's my Juilliard degree? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have this. I got. I'm in contact with Juilliard right now. They're gonna send you an honorary degree in the mail. Damn it! So all right, all right. All right. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to Mortal Kombat Combat. At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. That was great guesses. Oh my god. I'm so I'm like I'm legitimately happy for you. I, like, I was so excited that you got it. <laughs> I really thought about it. Good versus bad. And I appreciate that. I really did. I, I appreciate it. Because some people come here and just like, yeah, I don't know, dollar, ten dollars. I take it seriously. Goddamn right. To combat. Alright, Mortal Kombat Combat. There are 596 total reviews on Amazon. 74% are five stars, which blew my mind. And only 3% are one star. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck? Wow. So I will I'm gonna try to get through these as quick as I can because the last one's actually kind of long, but it needs to be read, I think. So first off, five stars from Nate Wilborn. Very hammer-esque, which I still don't see the hammer in that. I don't get it. I don't get the yeah. hammer feel. They might have been going for that, but I don't see it. I Ve- think they were trying to pay homage to it, but I, yeah. I, I don't see. I, when I think hammer, I think of Christopher Lee's Dracula and stuff like this, and yeah. I don't see face-ripping, skinning people live. Decap- I don't see hammer in this. No. Anyway, very hammer-esque, bloody, gory. Again, I, doubt all, I, I question all that. Faithful to the story. Again, I call bullshit on that. Great <laughs> acting. Fantastic twist at the end. England out Freddy's himself in this one. Uh, Five stars. So, Freddy fan. Freddy fan. Yeah, That's I'll give Freddy you fan. that one. Uh, from Madison Calhoun. This is one of those super weird guilty pleasure movies. Like, as you're watching it, you can, like, point out so many plot holes and character flaws. But it's such a train wreck <laughs> that you can't look away from it. My roommate and I... Named her Glitching uh, TV. My roommate and I named her Glitching TV Richard because Richard in this movie isn't reliable. It's it's hilarious. Uh, you'll lose brain cells watching this, but you won't regret watching this. It's got Robert England as its only defining characteristics. Five stars. It is trash, but I love it. You'll lose brain cells, but five stars. <laughs> okay. And I like how like. They called Richard glitching because he's not reliable. <laughs> Don't trust online reviews, people. <laughs> so. From Lauren Capone. This has got to be one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies. I love Robert England, and he is absolutely fantastic in it. Uh-huh. He, it has some very interesting, terrifying parts, and it sticks with you long after the film ends. The makeup effects are awesome. The okay. Phantom looks amazing in this adaptation, and the look of him in this one is the best of all versions I've ever seen. Oh. It is very gruesome and gory film, and it's awesome. I found myself looking forward to see which way the next person would die. This is a must-see for fans of Robert England, the Phantom of the Opera, and just horror movie fans in general. I absolutely recommend everyone watch this movie at least once. You won't regret it. 
If I could give it a higher rating than five stars, I would. This is one of the best horror films ever oh, made. Okay, I was with you until that, that one. Um, I disagree Sorry. with almost everything she said in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Sogman. I'm a super huge fan of Jill Jolene, Jolene, and this has got to be her best film I saw. Doesn't feel strange for a horror, but after a while, you got to like like it if you love opera. Five stars. No, I don't even know what. There's not even really any opera in it. No, That's... there's really not. Uh... <laughs> um, so yeah, from J Dog, <laughs> I was very curious after watching this because I had heard of it but had never seen it. It is a very different interpretation if you are not if you are a fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber's opera masterpiece. Yeah. But this is a closer to the book. This movie is very much a gothic horror and downplays the romantic elements. Five stars. Now, I will give you that. It downplays romantic. There's yeah. almost no romantic love triangle in this movie at all. Right. I still argue about closer to the book. But, I mean, closer to the book, I guess, than Andrew Lloyd Webber, than Andrew Lebber, Webber musical. But I still think Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical is almost more closer to the book than this was in uh, aspects. I I don't agree with that, but... In aspects. Not all things, but something. Eh. I don't know. Um, again, I'll... We all have our final thoughts. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I'm just trying to... Like, I'll kind of give way to you, because you do. You have read the book more recently than I have. Mm -hmm. So, And lastly, from Brian C., I will watch DVDs... Okay, oh, this is the fucking weird one. Okay, okay. hold on. Okay, are ready? Are ready? Okay, I'm ready, ready. <sighs> is this a five-star? This is a five-star. Oh, okay. And honestly, it has nothing to do with Family Opera. Okay, it's just <clears throat> from Brian C. This is why you cannot trust reviews on the internet. I will watch DVDs, then after the dust has settled and humanity has formed little little pockets of survivors, I will reveal myself with an awesome DVD. Will what? serve me well during the zombie apocalypse while I sit back and wait for the town to destroy itself. I will watch DVDs, okay, and after the dust has settled first, and humanity has formed ill pockets of survivors, I will reveal myself mm -hmm. with a cachet of DVDs to entertain the remnants of a hearted humanity and reclaim the earth from the ashes. Great artwork on the cover as well. <laughs> I hope you have a safe house in your basement, fool. So the only thing that had anything to do with the actual movie was the cover I'm art. survive the apocalypse. <laughs> I really hope that you're not the last man on earth because if you have to be the person that procreates and if this was the movie this is the movie you choose to cho you choose to show people after coming out of your bunker then I can't wait to be bitten by a zombie holy shit bullshit. dude <laughs> can't wait I hope I'm not the last person with you okay move on to the one stars Lily this is a disgusting movie. I had to throw it out. <laughs> Lots of blood and cuts. Yuck. Okay, so that person loves Phantom. Yeah. Probably. I don't, Hates yeah. horror. Um, loves, loves Andrew Lloyd Webber. But Horror Girl, 85, writes, Well, to start, the movie is nothing like the book. It's like the writers never read a page or even opened the book. Uh, characters are missing and new ones are created. The Phantom looks more like Freddy than... The way he is de described in the book. Everything that made the book and the 1925 yeah. silent film great is not here. The love mm -hmm. story lacks. The horror isn't even scary. The story makes zero sense. The film... Uh, hold on. Uh, the, the entire film is a dull and, dull and horrible. Sorry, it's a typo there. 
Film is dull and horrible. If I could give it less than one, I would. Uh, zero stars. This is a the true number of stars this film deserves. The one thing that is good about this is the costume that the Phantom is wearing at the masquerade. It looks like it should. Other than that, this movie is worthless in my eyes. I'll stick to the book, the silent film, and the musical. One star. Okay. From uh, John D. Page. This mess bears little in common with the great novel or any of the main film versions of the story. They have taken a haunting tale of lust, greed, and suspense and turned it into a nightmare in the opera. Just a silly and poorly put together slasher movie. What a complete waste of time! And like 10 <laughs> exclamation marks. Wow, those exclamation part marks were probably a waste of your time. Um, Charlie in LA. The Phantom is the subject of much curiosity, both in film and in related books. Unfortunately, the filmmakers seem not to have read the book. There is much bloody violence that is simply not a part of the story, nor is it needed in their interpretation. That's, that's I have just so finished watching the DVD trend. of this film. It dishonored the author one star. That's bullshit too, though, because yeah. if you read the book, it's fucking bloody. Like, it's <laughs> okay. I mean, not in the same way. All right. This is the longest uh, one, but um, well, I'll agree. So from Joe Smart. Atrocious 1989 telling of the classic horror tale is actually better than the Dario Argento's 1998 version, but that's yeah. about the only compliment I can pay it. The disastrous miscasting bad. of the leads would have been too much for the film to overcome, even if anything else worked. Jill Sholeen is a pleasing enough actress, but she makes for a completely unconvincing opera singer. And when the action moves from its <laughs> present-day prologue to Victorian period, in which the story is traditionally said, she couldn't possibly seem more out of place. Robert England is far worse as the Phantom. As an actor, if the word can be even applied to what England does here, he brings nothing whatsoever to no artistic passion, no sense of tragedy, no romantic longing. Mm. All he has to offer are small bits of warmed over Freddy Krueger that are entirely inappropriate for this role, which I will agree with. Mm. Bill Nye, Nye, who plays an opera backer, the opera owner, is 100 times the actor that Robert England is and might have made for a more interesting phantom. I actually kind of agree with that, too. I kind of agree with that, too. This version also tries to add some 1980s-style slasher gore, which isn't a bad idea in theory, but the filmmakers never figure out a way to smoothly incorporate the gore into the story. It feels as shoehorned into the material as the badly cast American leads. Helmer Dwight H. Little was far outside of his element and clearly much more comfortable directing Steven Seagal and Mark for Death and Brandley and Rapid Fire. He appears to be wasting some pretty decent production values with a shooting style entirely devoid of atmosphere. The Phantom of the Opera looks more like a cheap made-for-TV movie than a proper theatrical film. Everything is flat, overlit, and ugly. Possibly so the uh, gore effects would be extra easy to see, but gothic horror is meant to be bathed in shadows, not filmed like an episode of Magnum P.I. The version, <laughs> this version of Phantom of the Opera is an incoherent disaster in spite of the familiar source material that survived Woody Woodpecker and Brian De Palma, but not Freddy Krueger. It's almost impossible to imagine after watching this that an even worse adaptation was still to come. One star. So that makes me wonder, I guess I have to watch a Dario and Gentle version yeah. next. We might have to come that's, back and do that one. <laughs> that's that's not even horror. That's yeah. just terrible. That's that movie what, is just, yeah. that is a made-for-movie, a made-for-TV movie. And there was, yes, yeah. So that's what other people thought. Let's bring it down here to uh, our final thoughts, final takes. Sarah, lead us out here. What do you got? Okay. So I'm just going to say... I'm gonna. I'm just. I'm just gonna say it. You say it. I'm gonna say, uh, so bad it's good. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna say so bad it's good. But I agree with a lot of what that last review said. Uh, I feel like they 
they had a lot of opportunity that they did not take. A lot of it was crammed in. I think a lot of it, it sucked because they had, I feel like they really were trying to be very, they really were trying to make an adaptation of the book in whatever 1989 pop movie in the theater type rating they could get. So I think that they were trying to like ride these two sides and they, they, kind of failed at that so I agree with what that guy said but I do like Robert England movies I do like Freddy if you like Robert England if you like Freddy and then you also like Phantom of the Opera <laughs> and not like Broadway musicals I don't then I think you should watch this movie I mean I think it's way better than uh re- what uh phantom of the mall eric's revenge and i think i i don't think i liked that movie i don't remember if i'm pretty I even... sure you said so bad it's good we had a good time if with i that said one. so bad it's good for that movie then i'm saying so bad it's good for this movie because uh, i think they missed the mark on a lot of things but i but i got it right i it's worth a watch it's worth a watch if you're if you are a robert england if you are a nightmare on elm street fan worth a watch if you can sit through nightmare on elm street five (laughs) with the whole abortion thing you can sit through this movie i do agree that they did robert england i think again like he loves to smell his own farts if he maybe like took the actual romanticism of this character and the desperation and the madness of this character to the level that it actually needed to be instead of just being like Freddy in some makeup, I think that it would have translated better. I'm not even comparing it to Andrew Lloyd Webber because Andrew Lloyd Webber made his own his own thing. His Christine was his own wife. I have a lot to say about actually that version <laughs> and Andrew Lloyd Webber. He follows a formula just like Freddy movies do. And so... I think this movie failed in a lot of ways because you are taking two huge fan bases, which are absolutely different, and you're trying to meld them together to give to make money. Yeah. I, I, honestly, so it was like another movie like that. So I think in that way it failed. But do I think people should watch it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I th- why not? I mean, you get to see some really gory, up close, great practical. Uh, I think some of the practical effects are really good. I think they're really good. And in a place where we are in 2023, where you don't, where you see a lot of CGI and a lot of shit like that. I, that's one reason I love going back and watching movies from the eighties is because like 85 to 95 was huge in puppetry, practical effects, and all these things that I really personally love. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm a huge fan of, all phantom i think the book is way better i think that they missed a lot of opportunity to create incredible suspense um in that way but but i i'd still watch i mean i've watched it like three times i'll watch it again <laughs> i own it right yeah so I'm, I'm gonna watch it again um okay so first Maybe of all i'm looking at the uh official score you did give phantom of the mall a so bad it's good ah so this one i have to say is so yeah Okay, if I'm gonna say there um, was kung fu in that one. There was kung fu, sewer <laughs> kung fu, and a snake biting a guy on a dick. <laughs> oh, that's right! <laughs> I forgot. I, was that the very first toilet through like snake, snake through toilet? A toilet? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think that's what put 
put me over the edge on a that A king movie. cobra <laughs> through a toilet bites the man on the dick. <laughs> See, they didn't do that in this movie. No, like, they did there not. was none of that. <laughs> like the Phantom. <laughs> so. Um, I here's where I because I agree with a lot of what you said, but I'm having a tough time separating. Mm. Fan, the the book the source material and not even so much Andrew Lloyd Webber's which I do love that state, that, mm. that musical I do too. It, um, but everything I remember about the book you guys said it's been a long time since I read it um, is awesome it starts but but just like so many other things the book is better um, I don't like how they split the the, the time travel thing yeah. it still makes no sense to me. They should have just made it a period piece, and they cut. If you cut out all the New York stuff, maybe you would have had a few extra minutes to establish more of the tragic rom- love story, the romanticism mm-hmm. that is so prevalent through Phantom, and what yeah. makes it such a intriguing and memorable and, and impactful story. That because uh, there was as dark as twisted my bed, but there was love there. There was romance. There was. Oh, and they is. cut yeah. all of that out yeah. and they cut out, they glossed over like the fact that he was an engineer, an architect, a magician. And he set all these elaborate traps and did all that. And they cut off like as a movie, like I would say, yeah, it's worth, you can watch it once so bad. It's right. good. Right. But, 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 but once you attach that phantom, of the opera name to it, yeah. and that's what we get, that's where I'm struggling. I'm like, and it's so bad. It's scary because it, to me, it doesn't live up to what Phantom of the Opera should be, whether it's Andrew Lloyd Webber or it's the actual book. Um, and I agree with you. Like, they tried to merge two different worlds and failed instead of picking one and mm-hmm. going with it. Um, if it was, if they would have just said, hey, let's just make a Jack the Ripper movie with Robert mm-hmm. England, which basically what this really more is, yes. then fine. It would have been good. Just call it Jack the Ripper right. and take a place to London. I probably would have no qualms about it, but trying to turn this into phantom and doing it the way they did to me makes it to the point where like, I ha- almost want, have to say so bad scary because it, it's not once you attach that phantom, yeah. it, it incorporates a whole new world, a whole new set of, I guess, Expectation. bar expectations yeah. and bars you have to reach. Yeah. And when you don't, and when you change as much as they did without really explanation or reasoning, mm-hmm. it makes it me almost impossible to give it a good review. But if I separate the phantom aspect, like I say, if it's just, if you named it Jack the Ripper or right. Freddy Goes to London, <laughs> fine. I'm hey, a, okay. <laughs> bitch. You bitch. You bloody cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't use the word cunt yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so th- that we aspect, yeah, that in the theater, so. worth watching. You know, so yeah. bad it's good. So yeah. I don't know where I lie on this. Yeah. Um, but I'm I I am gonna say because I can't escape the fact that it is called Phantom of the Opera, yeah. and it just wasn't close enough to the book for me. Which even if that we're going for, they missed a lot. And it wasn't close enough to reach that. I'm saying so bad it's scary. Mm. But asterisk, it is could be worth a watch is if you don't go into thinking expecting phantom of the opera and just expect right. it it's basically freddie in london yeah and just go on that aspect then fine watch it it's okay if you just appreciate i think like 19 that that 19 late 1980s slasher 
genre and you enjoy practical effects. But it kind of fails as a slasher too, well, because that, the kills are mostly off screen. Yeah, because they had to pull. And they so do much say out. all the reviews like it's bloody, it's gory. And I became like, is it really? Not really. Not really. Because all the gore either got cut. Or it's post death. It's like okay, you see Joseph hanging in a wardrobe, completely skinned. Okay, yeah. that's bloody gory, but you don't see him being skinned, right? And you don't see the head get cut off. You don't see all this. It's just here's some skin faces, and here's some post death trauma. So I'm like, it's not really that bloody and gory either. So that's again one other reason why I'm like, eh, I don't really know. It kind of rode the middle a little bit too much. Way for too anybody, much. I think. Yeah, yeah. It went too much for the mass appeal instead of a niche, and it yep. failed because it's never. Gonna, I don't think it's ever going to reach that that cult status of right. so many other horror movies, and it's going to be. And it, it does have a bad. It flopped in the in the box office. It flopped. It, did. it doesn't have a good reputation even nowadays. So it's just yeah. I'm saying so bad, scary overall. But so that's that. Um, before we, we do have more to come. So but. What we're going to do now is we, because it is March now, it is now time for the Horrible Horror March Movie Madness Tournament of Awfulness. So, Sarah, normally Aaron's introduced, but he's not here. So, Sarah is going to help me make our brackets for this year's tournament. Oh, I'll be your Vanna, Pat. Yeah, you're going to be be my Vanna. Vanna. Oh. Um, Make a way better Vanna than Aaron. If you want to hear that, keep listening, stay tuned. That's fine. If you don't want to hear and you don't care, then go ahead and shut this off now. You heard the main podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll move on. But for those of you who want to stay and listen to and figure out what the tournament bracket is going to be for this year, keep listening. We're going to take a quick break and get things set up. And we'll be uh, right back with our bracket making uh, for this year's tournament. All right, we're back. All right, like I said, um, what we're doing now, for those of you still listening, we are going to set our brackets for this year's Horrible Horror March Movie Madness Tournament of Awfulness. Um, Ooh, that was good. You got yeah. you slid through that. I'm getting better. At it. It's only taken me seven years, but hey. I'm finally getting through it. <laughs> Shit, don't put limits on yourself. You got it. It's all good. Um, like I said, normally Aaron's here to do this, and uh, but since he was unable to make it today, he had family stuff. Um, Sarah's gonna sit in. She's gonna be basically my Vanna. You know, back yeah, yeah. we're, we're talking eighties movies. Did an eighties movie. So for those who don't might remember, you might not if you weren't born yet. But back in the eighties and nineties, mm. they would do the live lottery number drawings <gasps> and there's always the lottery bimbo who picked the numbers that's me today so sarah is going to be my lottery oh, bimbo basically i <laughs> always wanted to be the woman who held the ping pong ball oh. yeah. number 19 27 <laughs> man i could have been one of those chicks if i would so, have had like lipo and like oh, yeah but anyway so what we did what i'm having to do this year because we had such a I don't want to say condensed year, but we we didn't have the more number we normally do because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on this year. Um, so basically, the amount of movies we had to limit down to, I think it was 20 movies we had to work with because a lot of episodes were like Masterpiece Theater, Jeopardy, stuff like that. We Which, couldn't do. P.S. If you haven't gone back and listened to the Masterpiece Theater, you definitely <laughs> need to do it. Um, so to make this work out, what I had to do is basically like the real March Madness. Um, I had to pick two movies to give first round buys to oh, so they, they okay. automatically move on to the second round okay and so i picked what i think are the most obvious choices to get the automatic buy in the second round is the number one seed right now wasn't well, really a particular order just is camp murder okay which i believe chris was on i think chris was on that one um yeah. oh yeah i yeah. watched that movie oh and <laughs> night of the dribbler is the number automatic other automatic <laughs> buy getting a pass in the first round 
Um, that still means there are two other movies I had to give automatic, like, first four out or last four in things that I had to put in. But they're actually considered good movies. Mm-hmm. So, but I had to put them in because I needed to round out the field. So they are in the, what's it called, the play-in rounds. That they're not, you know, the first round that they're pretty much going to lose because they're good. They shouldn't really be in there, but I had to put them in anyway. But they're, they're the 19 and 20 seed, the bottom seeds. Got it. Um, and that includes, I know what you did last summer, and Friday the 13th, Part 8. Great. So they're in by technicality, but we still have to vote them. I don't expect them to move on, and so, depending on who they go up against. So we're definitely voting yeah. on for a person who's not like in the sports ball like me. <laughs> uh, so we're definitely voting on the worst. Like, yes. We want the worst of the worst. Yeah, the okay. worst of this last year that we've got. Got it. Um, and like I said, Friday the 13th Part 8, and I, I know what you did last summer, made the turn because we had to, but they're the 1920 scenes. They're the last two. Mm-hmm. I expect them to get beaten the first round, this play-in round. And then we'll go into the, the the next round where Camp Murder and Night River had a bye into the first round. So they're the one and two seeds. They'll play the winners of 16, 17, and 15, 18, whoever we get, whenever we get those to be. All right, um, all right. So to do this, we I, we have all the movies on a little piece of paper. We put them in our official Horrible Horror Super Crazy hat. Ooh. And Sarah is going to randomly... <gasps> Pull two names out, and so this okay. our first matchup is going to be seed sixteen, seventeen, and sixteen. So I need two names. Uh, who is going to be the first one in team sixteen? Who is who do we have? The first name, Pat, is <laughs> skinned deep. Skinned deep. All right, and then team seven slot seventeen goes to the Slayer. Oh, those are two <laughs> terrible ones. They That's going to be a tough matchup, Slayer. And can't murder. Ooh, I love that. I no, can't not wait can't to see murder. that. No, not but I'm, I'm just. I'm thinking. Slayer's going to probably beat skin deep. And I'm looking ahead. Got All it. right, so we need one name to go up against. Oh, hold on. Nope. Uh, I need one name for uh, who's going up against. I know what you did last summer. Twenty. I need the thirteenth seed. Will be taking on seed twenty. Do I need to pick another one? Yeah, pick another. Okay, pick okay, a, okay. Pick one. Monster brawl. Monster brawl. So we have two watch-along movies going against each other. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, next, we need one name. This is seed 14 going against the 19th seed, Friday the 13th, part 8. Netflix's oh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh. I have not seen this, but I really, uh, I guess, want to, but don't really want to. Yeah. Like, I feel like I should. All right. Texas Chainsaw. Oh, Brian Burpin. Massacre. That's a long name title. All right. So that is, oh, no, now we need seeds 15 and 18. So, oh, God dang it. I kept doing that stupid uh, program. Uh, 15. Marshall seeds. is like for real typing all this stuff in. Yeah, I actually have, I, I have an is... online bracket maker. I'm actually typing this into a computer right now instead of handwriting it all down. Okay. So, all right. Seed, uh, seed 15. Team 15 is going to be. Leprechaun Origins. Leprechaun Origins. Amazing. Leprechaun Origins. Which leprechaun is that? That's the really like, shitty one with Hornswoggle. Right. I was. Yeah. <laughs> Nachos did that one. I think that one gives gave him a PTSD. A I bit. think so. I've tormented that man so much uh-huh. over the years. Like I can't. Lake Fear Sorry, Three Nachos. Leprechaun uh... Origins. I mean, my God, the things he's the things he sat through. He's a true martyr. He is a true. He's a true. He's, he's true a body. martyr. He's he's a he's a hardened man now. 
All right, uh, seed 18, going against Leprechaun Origins, will be... Prom Night 4. All right, Prom Night 4. And the winner of that will go on to face seed 2, the Knight of the Dribbler. All right, so now we need... That's a buy, so now we need our seed 8 our eight and 9 seeds will okay. be... Uh, oh, do, I picked 2. That's fine, we need 2. Give me Team 8 or seed Knight eight. of the... Lepus. Lepus. Which is about rabbits. Uh huh. Right. Actually, oh, that's I like lepus, that movie. Lepus, I, I like the lepus. And I like that movie. <laughs> that terrible. will be taking on the ninth seed, which will be Willie's Wonderland. Oh, <laughs> Willie's Wonderland. I haven't seen that one. I have not seen that one. I almost feel like I should. Oh, put, is... that's the Nicolas Cage one? Yes. Finite phrase ripoff. Yes. All right. Uh, then we got seed five taking on seed twelve. So first one up, Galaxy of Terror. Oh, there we go, Galaxy. Oh, I misspelled that. Galaxy of Terror. Is that one about space? That would be about space. Okay, okay, good. I would hope so. And uh, we live by the crystal, we die by the crystal. Oh, (laughs) I just listened to that one. Yeah, (laughs) that one had a. That's had the giant uh, dick worm rape. That had yes, and was that Hot Lips Houlihan from Mash that was in that? Was that? No, it had Chichi. Oh, okay, Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi. And I don't think it was Hot Lips, but she was something else and something else. But, yeah. Anyway. um, All right. So, now we need uh, seed. Oh, Oh, hold on. Seed Team 12. Yeah, Team 12. This is taking on Galaxy of Terror. We have Phantom of the Mall. Phantom of the Mall. Which, apparently, I liked, but I didn't remember that I liked it. I think I just like talking about it. Yeah, it was a fun one to talk. Ooh, I don't like that, man. Both of those were. mm, Okay, that's an interesting bracket. All right, then we have mixing it up, mixing it up. Seed four, who will take on the winner of Monster Ball, and I know what you did last summer, is going to be Scream Park. Scream Park. Okay, Scream Park. That was fun. That was a fun listen. Uh, Seed three, our third seed. We need one name here. One name. Trick or Treat, nineteen eighty six, aka Ragman. Yeah, I have not seen that one. Nineteen. It's on YouTube. Is it worth it? I don't remember oh, what you said. <laughs> yeah. A6, a.k.a. Ragman. Okay. Uh, that takes that. So that's a blank one. All right. Now we're looking for oh. seed six and seed 11. Only four left. Yep. Next up. The Bates Haunting. The Bates Haunting. Which I feel like they just use the word Bates, too. And now we need seed 11. Get some... Get some uh, throw. Well, it actually name. It takes place at an actual haunted attraction, which was called the Bates Haunting. It's mm-hmm. an actual like like the darkness. That's the actual mm-hmm. name of the place. So, mm. or the Bates Haunted Hayride or something like that. Is that the one where you where you tell the story about? No, okay, never mind. I was going to say <laughs> I thought that was the one where you told the story about Aaron knocking down the wall and being in. Uh... Oh, I mean, the... but no, that was different. That, that was... was that might yeah. that was masterpiece theater. That might have been yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used that in one of the stories. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Black Pumpkin. Black Pumpkin. Is next. Uh, that was with uh, one, with uh, Sydney from uh, Here Comes uh, Here, Spooky Tuesday. Oh, I remember that. Tuesday okay, podcast. I listened. I All listened right. in. And I think we should have down to two now, right? We, we have, do. Uh, seed seven and seed ten. So seven seed is Slasherette Party. Slasherette. Slasherette Party. Great play on words. Yeah. And lastly, last team, C10 last is... Last one is Frankenhooker. <laughs> Frankenhooker. Which I love. I love the Frankenhooker. I do love that one. All right. So I think that is our... Yep. 
That's our wow. bracket. So we have it set. So the first round bracket, we are going to have one, two, three, four matchups in the first round, the play-in round, where we'll first we'll have seed 16 taking on seed 17, where we have the Slayer going up against Skinned Deep. Ooh. Uh, and the next one, we have seed 13 taking on the 20th seed, and Monster Brawl going up against I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I... And then next, we have the 19th seed taking on 14 and Friday the 13th Part 8 going up against Netflix's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's a, fun, that's like, that's a battle of the big big hitters, that's the big franchise yeah. right there. That's a good week. Um, and the last in the opening round, we're going to have seed 15 taking on seed 18, which is Leprechaun Origins going up against <laughs> Prom Night 4, Deliver Us <laughs> From Evil. And that will be the opening round of this year's Horrible Horror March Madness Tournament of Awfulness. Amazing. Save that. There we go. I can save it. Now I can download it and send it to Aaron, who can get it up on the Instagrams for the voting. Okay, so how do we do it? How do we vote, Marshall? Well, like, you vote because... Because, uh, I mean, tell me all about it. Yeah, so when it's posted, uh, you follow us on our Instagram page, and Aaron, who will be taking care of that for me, uh, he will post the each matchup on Instagram, and uh, you will leave your votes there You in the comments. You'll vote for which one you think is the worst of okay. them. Not the best. Which one is the worst? Because we are crowning this year's worst of the worst champion. So keep that in mind. You're voting for which one is the worst movie uh, out of the two each time he posts. And he uh, normally in the past, he's po- he has in the past posted two a day. But because it's... Uh, only four. It might it probably might be one a day. Maybe I don't know. Well, I'll see how Aaron does. But just check, keep keep up on our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Horrible Horror Podcast, and you can get all the information and see the brackets and and what uh, the voting goes on there. And you, then we will announce the votes as uh, they come in or the winners for the next round. You know, you check Instagram like numerous times a day. People, <laughs> come on, like you just go over there and and check it out. Cause yeah. It's it's a fun tournament. It's it is. I always enjoy it. I like to uh, even movies that I haven't really uh, watched. I like to listen along and then make my decisions. Sometimes, yeah. If you haven't seen the movies, I suggest maybe go watch them. But if you haven't, maybe listen to the episodes and judge for yourself. Mm -hmm. But um, we do get a lot of votes. People just voting like I haven't seen it, but I'll vote for this one or this one based on the name or the cover art. So I'm like, this one's got to be worse. we get a lot of that, but you know we can't can't do it. Listen, the votes count, so uh, yeah. we we don't have a say in it. Whether we agree or disagree, it's what the people the people's vote. It's what the people want. The people crown this champion. Uh, we only we only give our input on tiebreakers if it's a tie, but we haven't had many of those lately in a long time. So <laughs> um, exciting, yeah, it's time. So that's it, guys. If you if you're listening through this whole thing, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, I know this was a bit of a longer episode today, but we had a lot to get through, and we had a lot to say about Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I love that you combined both the arts with sports. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I just did. I mean, we're just, like, hitting all of... We're hitting it all. We're hitting everybody, you know, right? You love the horror fans. Yep. You have the arts fans. You have Horrible the horror is for fans. the people. We are for the people. All the people. All the people. You people. And we're for all of you out there. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, again, I want to say thanks for Sarah for coming. It's been oh, absolutely. awesome to finally get you back in here. And, uh, yeah. Always, again, it's got to be the movies that I know you're going to be. Uh, I always find the <laughs> the right movies for you. I appreciate that, Marshall. You really know me. You I, really, I try. Really I try. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, thanks guys for listening. Uh, you check out our, our podcast. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram. 
Uh, follow us everywhere on your podcast list. You know all that shit. I'm not even going to that. But if you want to check out the merch, support the show, go to HorribleHorrorPodcast.com to our merch page. Find all our t-shirts and other merchandise to help support the show. You can also go to Patreon uh, to support us there. And if you want to leave any movie suggestions, comments, or questions, or just tell us how much you hate us, you can leave us a comment at 7404-SUCK-IT. That is the Horrible Horror Hotline, 7404-SUCK-IT. So, till next time, guys, you know what to do. Remember to watch more horror movies, and always remember to keep it...